Hey, how's it going, Chris? How's it going? Welcome to Football Addicts Anonymous Podcast, everyone. Glad to be here on this fine Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we've got a lot to cover here. Today is our last day of our fantasy ranking series with kickers and defense. Uh, before we get into that, we'll have a bunch of NFL news that happened uh, this past week in between shows. So, yeah, uh, six days away from training camp. So the Chiefs and Texans uh, rookies, they showed up for testing on Monday. So essentially the first first day is testing and COVID testing. And then you have two days off because you have to have um, two negative tests within 72 hours or 72 hours apart. So... Mm-hmm. They ha- go in the first day for testing. Um, they'll have yesterday and today at home, and then like, they'll come back probably tomorrow and get tested again. And guys that are positive, one of the two days uh, will have to sit out a little bit longer. Guys that aren't will be able to get on the field right away. Uh, all other rookies were scheduled or allowed to, to begin doing testing yesterday. And then um, quarterbacks and injured players are allowed to start getting their tests done tomorrow and then officially um, camp for everyone except for the Chiefs and Texans. It's supposed to open July 28th. Um, Yeah, and along with the testing during camp, so that came out um, this past week that they're going to do tests every day for the first two weeks anyways. Um, and then after that, they'll reevaluate it. And if the positivity rate is under 5%, um, they'll go to every other day testing, which I think definitely be better for the players. I think they'll like that a lot, not having to get mm-hmm. tested every single day. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot. Training camp's definitely going to look weird and different than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, rolling with that theme, no preseason games now, um, officially, and I don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that there's no no preseason now. Uh, we're not going to get a football game now until September 10th when the Chiefs and Texans open on Thursday night. Um, and also this uh, stat that I saw on Twitter from Field Yates, close to 31% of players on rosters last year were undrafted free agents. Yeah, exactly. Which is going to go way down this year, like we've been saying all along. Um, But now, especially since there's no preseason, they don't really have a chance to shine, so. Yeah, that and uh, rosters are cut by 10 to start camp. They're they're going to go from 90, which is the usual, to 80-man rosters. Uh, So cut 10 more guys off there. Um. Yeah, it's it's just gonna be miraculous to see how many free under under free agents even get close to making it. I mean, they'll still have the practice squad available, which they're talking about expanding that to. I think it was sixteen was the max. I know they I know they did expand it to twelve. I'm pretty sure, uh, but I think yeah. there was talks about expanding it to sixteen as well. Also, IR um, conversations are still being had. Um, to see what 
teams can do with players that test positive and everything like that. So there's still a lot to work on for the NFL and the NFL Players Association, but um, they're slowly but surely getting getting decisions made and things done to prepare for the season here. So, I mean, with now no preseason games, they do have more time to get everything handled, but still, <laughs> it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you were just saying about, like, the undrafted free agents and stuff, like, we're definitely not going to see any sort of, like, big story with that, I don't think, this year. Like, there's not going to be, like, I, I don't even really want to use this as, as an example, but I can't really think of any other, like, big name, like, uh, undrafted free agents, you know, but, like, we're not going to see, like, another Robbie Anderson or something like that this year who made the team and then became, like, the number one receiver for the Jets for a couple of years. So it'll be a lot of people we know or the bottom-of-the-barrel people that were there last year. Well, I mean, talking about guys that were undrafted free agents, the guy that just retired this past week, Michael Bennett, um, DN, he was an, originally an undrafted free agent as well. Um Super Bowl champion with the Eagles <laughs> and the Seahawks. So, um, the couple other things here. So, actually, I haven't seen really anyone else talk about it yet, but um, I saw Ian Rappaport said it that the Vikings are going to sign Mike Zimmer to a multi year deal, multi year mm-hmm. extension, um, which will keep him in Minnesota for years to come. Which makes sense. Uh, he's definitely one of the better coaches. I think it's a good thing for them, especially keeping, since they already signed Kirk Cousins to a couple more years, um, keeping him, their contract's kind of similar there. Will help the continuity there in Minnesota. Um, fans are required to wear face masks if they're allowed at NFL stadiums. The NFL came out with that today. Um, which wasn't wasn't really a big shot. Not really a surprise. Everyone yeah. already pretty much knew that, but the the NFL officially said um, made that decision and announced it today. And speaking of fans, no fans are going to be allowed at Giants and Jets games, Chris. So because because yep. you're out of a job. Well, um, I got an email from MetLife, and they said that it was only temporary. Like it was until further notice. So there's still a chance that we can come back later in the year. So, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want that to happen or not. I think I'd like to just have the year to just, like, sit on my couch like I used to. Yeah. <laughs> I just watch the games from my couch, um, especially if this whole thing is still going on. Because um, I don't know if I could sit there and wear that mask for, like, six or seven hours. Right. But... Well, um, I think it... I don't. Th- I think it would be just weird for the team in general if it changed throughout the course of the season. I think yeah. it'd be okay if, say, they have a bye week and then fans come back. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like you go for an away game and then New Jersey decides that they can have fans again, mm-hmm. and then you come back for your next home game and it's like, oh, there's like a couple thousand fans. I think that'd just be weird. Yeah. Um, um, but I do I do think that there's going to be a lot of trouble during NFL games, though, with the whole mask thing. 
I mean, obviously it's common sense that we all should be wearing it and all that, but there's going to be fans that get drunk and then mm-hmm. don't want to wear it and then cause a, like, a scene and stuff. So, Well, yeah. that's, some, that's part of uh, some of the protocols that they're trying to work out is like alcohol sales. Um, bathrooms is another big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, how can they police social distancing with the... St- the fans in the stands. I know um, one one sport that has had fans back is NASCAR, and um, watching some of the races that they've had back, they I mean the fans have have been spaced out um, pretty well. I know I don't know if NASCAR has mandated that they wear masks because I've seen a lot of them not wearing masks, but. Um, when you're out in the open air, I, I don't think it really, I don't think a mask is really that um, pertinent to the situation when, whenever you're out in the open, which I think it would matter definitely for the teams that have domes, like the Lions, the Texans, uh, Cowboys, some of those other teams. But uh, for open air stadiums, I don't think it's as big of a deal, personally anyways. Yeah, especially if they're spread out. Yeah. Like, um, well, like, going back to Baltimore, because I think Baltimore is one of the only teams we know of the amount of fans, right? They were the ones that were only allowing, like, 20% of the fans or something? They put an exact number, 14,000. Yeah. So, are they only allowing, like, the first level, or are they opening up the whole stadium? Did they say any of that, or did they just say the number of fans? Um, I'm not sure. I know the NFL has said... Um, that every team is welcome to sell the first um, like seven or eight rows for ad space uh, just to keep the distance from the players to the fans. So I know that is one thing. And I know another thing that came out, uh, it wasn't an exact number, but I know the Falcons just released that they're going to reduce their stadium capacity to 30%, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, but... um, I would imagine it's probably closer to 20,000, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Um, no, but it's funny that you said something about, like, the advertising the seats because I was – baseball's finally coming back, so I was watching the Yankee game the other night, and right behind home plate where the, like, the big-name people usually are in the seats, they had, like, one big, like, advertisement thing that was scrolling through a bunch of advertisements throughout the game. So I could see that, like you said – that's going to probably happen a lot in the NFL, even though the stands aren't showing nearly as much in, in the NFL game. But. Yeah, it's definitely a way for the uh, the league to recoup some of the lost revenue that they're going to have with mm-hmm. um, the limited amount of fans. But um, last thing here, and I'll let you talk about it because I know you want to, uh, Woody Johnson had a, a big issue in the UK, since he is the U.S. ambassador for the United Kingdom, um, or to the United Kingdom, I should say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he—I uh, don't—I don't know exactly what he said. I—I I didn't even see it, but I—I I know uh, it was. I don't think that the actual comments or whatever were released, but I just know. Yeah, it was um, racist and sexist comments were what uh, the reports had been saying. So. Mm-hmm. I'll let you go on, on that. <laughs> um, well, obviously, like, racism and sexism and all that is bad, but 
in this case, I kind of hope he actually said stuff. And I kind of hope it somehow leads to him having to sell the Jets. Um, like, I kind of hope it's a similar situation to, I don't know if you really remember it, but there was a situation in the NBA a couple years ago with uh, the Clippers owner who said some racist things or whatever, and then he was basically forced out of the league and forced to sell the team. So yeah. I kind of hope that that's what happens here with Woody Johnson because I know I'm not the only Jets fan that doesn't like him. There's a lot of fans out there that think that he's an incompetent owner and that he doesn't really know what he's doing when it comes to football, which, yeah, I can, I can kind of agree with that. Um, but yeah, like I said, obviously it's never good when someone, especially a public figure, has comments like that. Um, well, I think it's, I think it's interesting. The uh, if if he would be forced to sell, I feel like the the owner turnover within the past five years could be significant. I mean, it's not a lot, obviously, but. Uh, you had David Tepper a couple year, two years ago, with the Panthers buying them, um, and then um, I feel like Daniel Snyder was close, but now I think he's kind of um, further away from being forced to sell um, with everything that's happened with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, definitely be interesting to see if he would be forced to, to see who would come into. Yeah. I'm curious to see how much he had to sell it for, too, because I'm just skimming the article now about the whole thing, and apparently he purchased the team in 2000, so it was 20 years ago, for only $635 million. So yeah. I wonder how much of an increase he would get from that if he has to sell. Um, it would definitely be closer to $3 billion probably. Yeah. Yeah, even though the Jets have been terrible over the last 20 years, they're still somehow one of the most valuable teams. Probably just because of the New York market. But Well, all NFL teams are, at minimum, uh, $1.5 billion probably, I would say, right now. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers sold for 2 point something. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, to add on to the whole situation, too, we were talking about it before the show, but Jamal Adams made comments about it, too, and... Like, that right there, even, I mean, there's questions on whether or not he'll be on the team come season's start or whatever, but even if he's not, the fact that a player on the team has spoken up about it is already a negative towards, I mean, not Chris Johnson, uh, Woody Johnson. So, yeah, if they decide to keep Adams and Johnson doesn't have to sell the team, Adams will speak up about it even more than he already has. And about, he'll cause more of a scene than he already has. How about they just make a, a package deal, make make Johnson sell the team, and then Adam Gase goes with him, and then... <laughs> I love that, but... Um, so much has to change in this death organization. One last thing before we get into our rankings here. So, um, like I've been doing the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been doing random drafts, and this week, actually, I did two. Uh, I did one on ESPN and one on um, NFL.com last night, actually. So I'll go to the ESPN one first. But anyways, this is the ESPN one. 
called it Hopkins trade hopeful for a reason because I got DeAndre Hopkins and David Johnson on my team. So um, this one I had the 12th pick, the last pick in a 12-man league. And it wasn't pretty. This is the the worst team I think I drafted this season uh, by far. Uh, There's a couple players here, though, that I feel like you've gotten at least, like, three or four times, though. Yeah. If not every time. I mean, I I draft the same players most of the time, yeah. (laughs) I'm comfortable with a a bunch of guys. But, yeah, especially the depth is not not there, which kind of is expected in a 12-team league, but... Um, 12th overall pick I just felt like this draft was not the board just didn't go my way (laughs) most of the draft Um, DeAndre Hopkins was my first pick at number 12 so I don't know I don't know how this team's going to do but I mean that's what usually happens though when you have the last pick in a draft especially 12 teams like you said yeah I mean because they're so far apart with the picks, even though you get back-to-back. But there's, what, 22 picks between your picks? Something like that? Uh, 23. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's hard to draft a good team when you have the last pick on it, especially in a 12-person league. Yeah. Luckily, it's a free league, so um, not costing me any money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the NFL team that I did last night, and this one I actually thought was pretty good. Um, I'll tell everyone else about the situation that I told you about that I got really angry. Um, this one I had the ninth pick, and once again I got DeAndre Hopkins with my first pick. But um, came back around in the third round, got Aaron Jones in the second. Third round, um, so I had the ninth pick in the third round as well. Got him. I I was debating. I had Amari Cooper was sitting there, and I knew I wanted to get Amari Cooper. But there was also Le'Veon Bell and Chris Carson there, and I wanted to get Cooper and Carson. But I wasn't sure who to pick first because I had two picks in between my picks. And I was like, well, even if I go Amari Cooper first, there's no way this guy picks both Le'Veon Bell and Chris Carson. He's going to probably pick a receiver and one of the two backs. What does the guy do? He picks Le'Veon Bell, and then he picks Chris Carson. I was like, oh, man, I don't have a second running back now. Went with Devin Singletary in the fourth. Thank God I got Mark Ingram in the fifth because I don't trust Devin Singletary as much as I do Mark Ingram. But, yeah, this one was pretty good, though, Um, especially later. I thought I got a lot of good value later. Um, The... One that I think was the best value was Raheem Mostert, though. Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert, I got him second to last round, 14th. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him if he gets his request for a trade or if he stays in San Francisco. Um, I mean, I know we haven't really talked much about that, but like, I don't really know where he would go if he gets traded. Yeah, But I think he's he might be in the best situation he can be right now. Yeah, and, and I, I saw a report the other day that um, said that he actually did talk to the team, and I think they were kind of smoothing some things over. So I think he actually might stick in San Fran, um, at least for this year anyways. Once again, I got the Steelers defense. 
really early seventh round um but they're worth it which we'll talk about them um near the end of the show so um but let's get into the rankings now so doing kickers and defense today um which kickers aren't that exciting but was very yeah it was very hard to rank kickers not so much defense um especially once you get to the top of the defensive rankings but yeah kickers were definitely hard to rank mm-hmm. and it, we, we're not gonna really have a lot to say about most of them but um we'll go through them anyways we did top half of the league so top 16 and your first one is a guy you know michael badgley the yeah. I had to put him on here because just to give him a little shout out here, but I do think that he will get pretty good opportunities. I know he doesn't have the strongest leg, but he is very accurate. I think, um, as you see there, he only played eight games last year because he had a little bit of a I forget exactly what injury it was, but I think he it was had a quad or a hammy. Yeah, so obviously that's not good for a kicker which is why he only played eight games. But um, if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, I think he'll get plenty of opportunities because I don't think that the offense will be as good and as powerful as it has been in the past. So I think that there's going to be a lot of times where they get to like the 20 or the 30 or whatever and then have to kick the field goal. So that's part of the reason I put him on here. Um, And he's at 16, but because of the injuries and stuff and – because, like I said, he doesn't have the strongest leg. But if he gets down to like the forties, I think he'll he is a very reliable figure. Yeah. One note before uh, I go to my sixteenth guy. Literally, the kicker projections that ESPN has is almost the same for every single person. Uh, especially when you look at the fifty plus uh, category, most of them are three out of five in the projections some are three out of four but most three out of five so just put that on the projections but uh, it's it's going to be different for every guy uh, like you'll see in the 2019 stats for all of them and uh, field goals actually as well there was a lot of 26 and 31 for most of the guys too as well but anyways my 16th guy is brandon mcmanus for the broncos um, he's kind of gone downward, sort of, in his career. I mean, obviously, he's kicker nine last year, so definitely a pretty good season for the Broncos. But I think he could be even better this year uh, with the upgraded offense. I think they're going to score more. And even though they them scoring more would give him more extra points, which it shows in the projections he is projected to get more extra points, um, I think... Even even just having the offense be better, getting them closer, and if they're not going to score touchdowns, McManus will have more opportunities to kick the field goals as well. But definitely... I'll, I'll talk about him in a couple minutes, but I have him actually ranked a little higher than you. So. Definitely one of the better long-range kickers, I think, in the NFL. Uh, Austin Seibert for the Browns is my 15th guy here. The it's kind of the same thing as the Broncos, though. The, with a, a healthy OBJ, um, 
upgraded offensive line. Browns should be scoring more points this year. Kind of the same thing. Like like I said, though, it, when you look at the projections, three out of five for 50, 26 of 31 for field goals. <laughs> it's it's going to be the same uh, for most of the guys here. And it's weird because uh, kickers don't score uh, fractions of points, but ESPN projects them at fractions of points. I feel like it's mostly just to be able to rank them. I don't really know where the fractions come from. Well, but... I mean, unlike fake field goals or something, <laughs> they can always throw the touchdown or throw a pass or something. Like true, <laughs> true. They can, or they can run it or whatever. So. <laughs> I guess, but uh, there's fractions for most of the guys, so I don't know how um, every kicker in the NFL is gonna fake a field goal this year. <laughs> Your 15th guy is Greg Joseph for the Titans, though. Mm-hmm. So, I put him on the list more so because of the team he's on than him himself, because um, I mean, you saw last year with Cleveland, he was kicker number 27, but that was two, he years, was, uh, two years ago. Or, sorry, two years ago. Yeah, he only yeah. played two games with the Titans last year. Yeah, so, but in 2018 with Cleveland, that's Cleveland. I mean, they didn't. I don't think they really had. Did they have like Nick Chubb and all those guys in twenty eighteen? No, right? Wasn't he a rookie last year? Or I can't remember. No, he was a rookie in twenty eighteen. Oh well. Still, the offense in Cleveland is a lot better now than it was back then. So, and I think that this Titans offense is much better than the Cleveland offense. So especially with Derrick Henry. Um, so I think that uh, Greg Joseph will get his opportunities even when they don't score the touchdown, like I, like I was talking about with Badgley. They'll go into the red zone and he'll get a couple easy chip-in field goals. Um, but yeah, like I said, most of the reason I put him on this list is because he's on the Titans and I expect them to score a lot. So Yeah, I think that's... Uh... That's definitely the biggest factor for, for most of the guys here. And your 14 has got it's in a position battle in Buffalo, Stephen Hauska. Yeah. So another person that I put on here because of the team he's on, and like we could white out his name and put him or Vedvik or whoever wins that job. Actually, if, if Vedvik wins it, though, take him off the list because he's terrible. No, it's it's gonna be him or Tyler Bass, their um, fifth round rookie from Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern. Yeah. So whoever wins that job, though, between those two, because like you said, Bedwick probably doesn't have a chance, but whoever wins that job, I think will have a great season because Buffalo is probably one of the best overall teams in the league, especially in the AFC. And again, he'll have his opportunities to get field goals. Obviously, there the projections are the same as everybody else has been, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that this is a much improved Bills team, as I'm sure everybody else can agree. So there will definitely be more scoring opportunities for Hauschka or uh, Bass or whoever the kicker is. Um, but yeah, I think- that's why I had him at 14. Yeah, I, I don't have him on my list. But I think um, the no preseason games is going to be interesting as well for the, the kickers in any position battle when you look at it. Um, yeah, there's 
there's not really any quarterback competition this year. Chicago. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think that they traded for Nick Foles already kind of expecting him to have him as the starter, but we'll see. Yeah, no. I think I think with that now, though, actually, they might start Trubisky in the first game, but if he's like throwing like three interception, interceptions by halftime, they might bench him for Nick Foles immediately. Yeah, no preseason games, no... Um, no uh, combined practices with other teams either, so mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be interesting for position battles. But yeah, Hauschka, he needs to show that he can <laughs> kick above 80%. I mean, he's done it in the past, obviously. he's He's been one of the better kickers before. Uh, just last year did not have a really good season. Mm-hmm. So... My 14th is, is a younger guy, though. Chase McLaughlin taking over for Adam Vinatieri in Indianapolis. Um, played on three different teams last year um, through 11 games and was pretty solid. I mean, 78.3% field goals. Um, three of three from 50-plus is really good. Um, one field goal I remember was with the Niners. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, it was a game uh, on a primetime game. I don't remember who they were playing, but... Was that the Seattle game that went back and forth at the end of the game? Uh, no, not Week 17. Uh, I think it might have been the Seahawks, though, their first matchup in San Francisco. I don't remember which one they played first, but, um, yeah. Perfect on extra points. And I think he's definitely ready to step up into the shoes that, that um, Adam Vinatieri was filling last year. Projected... Pretty much the same as everyone else. The the thing with the projections is really the extra points. That's where they they differ mostly with um, a lot of the kickers here. But he's projected to be the tenth best kicker. So that that's the worst kicker in a ten man league, uh, third worst kicker in a twelve man. So yeah, I think uh, he's definitely set up to be have a good season with Philip Rivers there on the offense now. They have Michael Pittman at wide receiver, so a little bit better receiving core. Um, definitely going to be able to score some more points in Indianapolis like they used to with Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, wait, just a quick side note for people that don't really know about fantasy or whatever or are just trying to get into it. We, in our league, are missed kicks are minus a point, right? Yes, I believe. Yeah, so... Accuracy is a big factor in fantasy because if they miss it, then they get minus a point. So that 26 for 26 on extra points is a very big thing. And the 3 for 3 in 50s, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it differs per per league. But, yeah, like you said, uh, our league is, is minus 1 for any missed kick. And then um, most leagues have it set up under 30 or under 40 is... Uh, three points, 40 to 49 is four, and then 50 plus is five. So mm-hmm. the more 50 plus field goals, uh, definitely the more points you're going to score, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my number 13 is another young kicker, though. He got a lot of opportunities last year for the 50 plus, which he like. Uh, we were talking about how 50 plus is, is five points in fantasy, usually for mm-hmm. kickers. So uh, the more the more opportunities you get at 50 at deep range, uh, more points you're going to score, obviously. Kicker four last year, kicker nine projected this year. A um, little dip in extra points, which I kind of expect that. Um, 
they were a high-scoring team last year. Their defense just couldn't um, stop the yeah. opponents stop the as well. And also, James Winston threw 30 interceptions, um, which didn't help the cause either. So, um, yeah, that, that's 30 opportunities that were taken away from Matt Gay and the rest of the offense. So. Right. <laughs> so, um, definitely, definitely a good building block for the Tampa special teams um, in the future. Needs to get that accuracy up, though, like I was saying earlier, uh, under 80% needs to also get the accuracy up with extra points as well. Um, above 90% is um, probably the standard now, I would say, with uh, how long the extra point is nowadays. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think uh, he's going to be a fine one, especially in the coming years for uh, the Bucks. Yeah. And Zane Gonzalez for the Cardinals uh, is your number 13 here, Chris. Yeah, so Zane Gonzalez, I – put here because uh, again like we've been saying for most of these guys especially in these like later numbers here it's because of the team that he's on uh i think the cardinals offense this year is going to go off because of the addition of uh deandre hopkins and because of the subtraction of david johnson um because now they don't really have that headache to worry about so i think that the offense here in arizona will skyrocket and give Zane Gonzalez even more opportunities. Even though we see here she's supposed to drop 10 spots in the rankings, I think that he'll do maybe not as good as he did last year because I don't think he'll get as many field goal opportunities. I think he'll get more extra point opportunities, though. Um, But I still do think that he'll get a good enough score and all that and a good enough amount of opportunities to kick field goals and all that that I think he'll still end up in the top 10 for um, four kickers, even though I have him here at 13. But I think that ultimately he'll end up in the top 10. Yeah, I have him a couple spots from now closer to the top 10, so um, I'll talk about him then. But your number 12 is where you have Matt Gay, uh, just one spot above me. Yeah, so basically for all the same reasons you had him that 13, I think that um, even though the overall offense will go down, because I don't... Even though Tom Brady's the quarterback and all that, he doesn't have the arm that Jameis Winston does. So there's not going to be as many big plays and all that. And so they have to rely on shorter passes to move the ball and stuff. So... I think that his production will go down a little bit because he won't have as many opportunities, even though he did kick eight or attempt eight 50 yard field goals. Um, I just, I think that his production is going to go down though, because I don't think they're going to score 48 touchdowns like they did last year. And I don't know, 35 field goals seems like a lot too. So, yeah, I, I just don't see him having as many opportunities as, as he did last year. But I still think when he does get his opportunities, though, he will come through. Um, my number 12 here is, is Dan Bailey. Longtime Cowboy, like I said, 
one of his better seasons, I think, last year. Over 90% field goals, over 90% extra points. Also perfect from 50-plus. Only three chances, though, which we'd like to get that up a little bit. Um, Mike Zimmer is usually a pretty conservative coach, though, when it comes to long-range field goals. I mean, Dan Bailey's not the doesn't have the biggest leg either. Uh, he used to. I, I don't really know where his leg strength has gone. I don't know if it's because he hasn't gotten as many opportunities, but I just don't think uh, Dan Bailey has been one of the long-range kickers of notice anyways um, in the past couple of seasons. But projected as the kicker 20, I think that's way too low. Uh, Minnesota's offense should be okay. Not as good since Stephon Diggs isn't there, but um, I think the big factor is if Dalvin Cook plays or doesn't, if he doesn't, uh, Dan Bailey might be more closer to that 20th kicker that he's projected, but um, I like him at 12, and um, definitely good for Minnesota. I actually think that uh, Stefan Diggs not being there is going to help him, because there's they have to rely on Justin Jefferson now, and Thielen, but I think that, yeah, I think that he'll get more opportunities with Stefan Diggs not being there. Yeah. I agree. Um, Zing Gonzalez here. I have him two spots higher than you at, at 11. Um, for all the all the same reasons, though, Cardinals offense should be much improved with uh, DeAndre Hopkins there. The offensive line is still shaky, so I'm not sure um, how much that's going to limit their scoring ability. But uh, I think Kyler Murray and Co. can definitely uh, get in Gonzalez's range which I'm not even sure where that is. He only had two kicks from 50-plus last year, made both of them, but um, he, he still should should be fine uh, for Arizona, and people want to draft him. As a top 10 kicker, I mean, uh, right here, I have him 11th, so it's second-worst kicker in a 12-man league. Yeah. I mean... Like we've been saying, I don't really pay attention to the projections because they're pretty much all the same. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think he's better than 16 like they have. Till, till you get to the uh, the top three, then you'll you'll see a big bump in projections. <laughs> uh, not field goals, but extra points definitely change a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you're number 11. years a long-time guy, Mason Krause, for the Packers. So I had I put him on this list because... I mean, I think with the lack of weapons there in in Green Bay, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to kick field goals um, because even though Aaron Rodgers may try to, he can't throw the ball to, to uh, Devontae Adams every single time. He's going to have to throw it to, like, uh, Devin Funches or whoever else is in, in that receiving room. And so I think that, that right there will allow him to kick more field goals and obviously like you said he's a long time guy so I think a little bit of his power is probably not there anymore but he's still I mean they have him there at 25 of 29 which is still pretty good and three or four 50 yarders which is even better um I would take that for a kicker um and I mean, they had him projected at 13, and I have him a little higher at 11, but 
I, even with the lack of weapons, they still have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and I, we've all seen what he can do. So I think that with the magic of Aaron Rodgers, they'll still have a good enough offense to get down the field, and even if they don't score the touchdowns, I think Crosby will still be there to kick the field goal. Yeah, I'll talk about him um, next. But um, before I do that, your number 10 is a guy I had way down at number 16, Brandon McManus for the Broncos. So I had him rounding out the top 10 here because of, again, the theme of this thing, the offense that he's in. Um, granted, it's a very young offense and all that <clears throat> with two of their top three receivers being rookies and Drew Locke only being in, or this is going to be his first full season, right? Yeah. So there's still a lot of growing pain probably for that offense, but I think that he will get his opportunities. And as you were saying before, when you were talking about him, he's got a good leg too. He's He attempted seven 50-yarders last year. And I mean, he only got four of them, but still four is a good number for 50-yard field goals. Um, That's 20 points. Yeah, and I would take that minus three there from three misses. So that's a net of 17 points, which is a decent amount um, for kickers, at least. So, yeah, I think that he'll get plenty of opportunities this year, especially, like I said, because of his long range. I think he'll get more than most most kickers will. Um so as long as he could stay accurate, I mean, he was kicker number nine last year. And, yeah, I don't think he'll drop nine spots. I think he'll still be a starting kicker for fantasy. Yeah, just like that uh, field goal percentage get up closer to 90 a little bit. But yeah. if he makes 30 of 34 last year, it's probably more around 88% than it is 85. So. Mm-hmm. My number 10, like I said, is Mason Crosby for the Packers. Um, same thing. It, it's Aaron. It's the Aaron and Aaron show in Green Bay, uh, Rodgers and Jones. So they still have the offense to get there uh, with Devontae Adams as well, even without the lack of additions um, at the skill positions. It's, it's still Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and uh, he's still going to have a scoring offense. They're not going to – they're not going to go down very much, if any. So I would expect sort of the similar production uh, for Mason Crosby. I don't think uh, it necessarily is going to increase, which is obviously what ESPN has here going from 13 to 13. A little higher for me and you, but um, still one of the better veteran kickers out there. The only thing that might hurt him is if, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback at the end of the season or towards the end of the season. If Jordan Love comes in, whether it's injury or Aaron Rodgers requesting a trade or whatever, which I don't see happening, but if Jordan Love is the quarterback, I don't think that Mason Crosby is a good fantasy kicker. Yeah, there's there's no way. The only way would be injury. <laughs> uh, Jordan Love, probably the 2022 starter for the Packers. Chris Boswell here is number nine. I have a Steelers jersey on TJ Watt right here. But um, Chris Boswell's been iffy in the past for the Steelers. Uh, I know two years ago, uh, being at a Steelers game, uh, 
the fans really didn't like him <laughs> uh, because he had missed quite a few kicks a couple years ago, but rebounded very nicely last season. Over 90% field goals, only missed two. Perfect on extra points and uh, only kicked two 50s, uh, made one of them, but still pretty solid. Kicker 10 last year, projected as kicker 6 this year. I think that that's because of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff on fantasy different articles about a uh, bunch of different players for the Steelers and Pittsburgh team as a whole and what their projections are. Uh, and Roethlisberger elevates everyone from Juju Smith-Schuster to Deontay Johnson to James Conner. Even the defense, the defense is already good, which we'll talk about them, but I think Roethlisberger even elevates the defense more because with Roethlisberger, they're going to have more leads than they did last year, which will allow the defense to play more and aggressively. And more rest time, too, on that, I think. Yeah. So, I don't think um, I'm not sure if Roethlisberger's um, return necessarily helps Boswell's field goals, but definitely helps his extra points. Um, as you can see with the projections, he goes up by 12 extra point attempts um, and 10 makes. So that's 10 points right there. Um, definitely going to be good fantasy option. I mean. I'll talk about our, uh, my draft strategy to kickers at the end of the kicker section, but definitely Chris Bossel is a good option. Mm-hmm. And your your number nine here is Chase McLaughlin, a guy I had at, at 14. Yeah, so I had him up here because I think he's in a perfect situation. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, I think that at least at the moment um, – Adam Vinatieri is still under contract with the Colts. No, he's, well, he's a free agent. Well, well, they still have the Colts symbol next to his name when I was looking at the rankings earlier. But, okay, then my point was invalid there. <laughs> but, still, I think that Vinatieri would have no problem kind of being like a coach for McLaughlin. Even if he's not technically under contract or anything, I'm sure that he'd gladly come to one of their practices and help him out with stuff. So having a guy like that in your corner would help, is going to help him out immensely. And, I mean, you were talking about it earlier. He spent 11 games with three different teams, which I think is a reason why his numbers were kind of low last year. I mean, he was perfect three for three with 50s, but he missed five field goals out of 23, which is a big percentage of that. Um, but I think it was because of the fact that he was on three different teams, so he never really got to get into a groove with consistency with the same guys and all that. Um, and I think if he has the opportunity now to have that consistency and to be on the same team, on the same field for the entire season, as the projections show, even though it's the same projections as everybody else, he's supposed to improve to the kicker number 10 from when he was 27 last year. So last year, he wasn't even a thought in fantasy unless it was a like last-second pickup because you, your kicker was on a buy or whatever. Um, but I think a full season with the same team, especially the Colts, who I think will have a really good offense, is going to help him a lot this year. Yeah, one thing, I was just looking at the Colts roster there, and I forgot that um, my guy, Rodrigo Blankenship, is actually in Indy as well. So they're actually going to fight for that spot. 
Um, Chase McLaughlin, I don't think necessarily has the position yet. I think uh, it's going to be a little bit of a battle, but I do think McLaughlin will win the uh, the position there. Mm-hmm. And our number eight here is we both have Jake Elliott at number eight. I'll let you go first, though, with Jake Elliott. Well, he kind of burst on the scene a couple years ago for the Eagles. Um, I don't even think I really knew who he was until the Super Bowl year. But um, he's obviously one of the more consistent kickers in the league. And, again, with the theme of the offense that he's on, as long as that offense can keep it going and get down the field, I think he'll have a great season. Um, and I think it really all depends on Carson Wentz now because who's their backup now? Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah. So I don't. I think if Hurts comes in as this full-time starting quarterback, then the whole offense kind of crumbles. I think as long as Carson Wentz can stay healthy and they can get down the field and score points and stuff, Jake Elliott will have a perfectly fine season. Um, and, yeah, I do think I, I even kind of think that 14 might be a little low because I, I see them kicking more field goals than scoring touchdowns. Yeah, um, I mean, Jake Elliott, like you were saying, burst on the scene two years ago, or three years ago, I should say. Um, that picture right there is, is from the game that really put him on the map as a rookie. Week three, 2017, kicks a 61-yarder game winner uh, against the Giants in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. So that that was really the moment that put his career on the map. But yeah, uh, like you said, consistency is key for Jake Elliott. Um, again, I would still like the make percentage on field goals to be closer um, to 90 and the higher 80s uh, versus under 85%. But still, uh, 80%, I think, is kind of the minimum that you want from a kicker. So being closer to 85% there is pretty good. Uh, closer to 87% in the projections is definitely better. Um, well, yeah. One thing you also got to look at with kickers, too, is the 22 of 26, that includes that 50 yarders, too, right? Yes. So he was 20 for 24 in field goals under 50, which is, I think, the high 80%. So 20 for 22. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, 20 for 22. So, yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure, like, above 90. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's very good in closer range. Yeah, definitely. Um, watching Eagles games before, it's, that's, that's definitely under, under 40, um, he, he'll pr- pretty much hit everything under 40. Then when it gets over 40, uh, 40 to 49, uh, he's a little bit worse. And then 50-plus, he's not as good. But he definitely has a leg strength. Like I said, 61-yarder a couple years ago against the Giants. Um, has the strength to do it. Had a really good Super Bowl that year with a couple kicks in that game. But, um, again, he... Him and Chris Boswell are are guys that aren't the top of the board kickers, but if you were going to wait, you can still get a consistent guy that are on two pretty good teams. 
And my seven here is the Texans' Kaimi Fairbairn. Number one kicker um, in 2018. Came back last year, didn't have quite the season he wanted to. Um, like I said, 80% is kind of the threshold when you look at overall field goal percentage. So he was right there. And he missed five extra points, which is also not good. Granted, he had 45 attempts. But again, um, like you said, with mixing in the 50-plus range to the overall field goal percentage, it, it definitely is going to dull it down with uh, more attempts 50-wise. But he has one of the stronger legs as well in the league, and I think uh, bounce-back season is needed for him this year, and I think he's going to do it. Obviously, I have him at 7. He's predicted as 21st. But I, I think he's going to be fine. Even without DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's actually going to help Fairbairn um, because Deshaun Watson is going to be able to move the ball, yes. But will they be able to get it in the end zone as many times as they did last year? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that he'll definitely have better than 21st overall. But um, I think it will be interesting to see that whole Texans offense and see how they can move the ball without DeAndre Hopkins. Like, that's the biggest factor there for him is if they can still move the ball efficiently. And number seven is where you have Chris Boswell. So, yeah, I had him here for all the same reasons you had him at, what, nine or ten? Um, yeah, I, Yeah, so he's obviously, he had a great year last year. 29 to 31 and 28. So, um, I like you were saying, with the Ben, ben Roethlisberger factor, the fact that Roethlisberger's back, the ball will be able to move a lot more, they'll get a lot more opportunities, and um, they only scored 28 touchdowns last year. I definitely expect that to go over 30. Um, and if he can keep that consistency that he had with the field goals and maybe even turn some of those shorter field goals to 50s, I think he'll have a great season. And like I said, I think he's poised to have a great season. So I think that Boswell is a pretty good kicker to go after. But we'll talk about that when we go into the draft strategy later. Yeah, and the, uh, the next guy you have here, Jason Myers uh, for the Seahawks. So, a little bit of the reason I put him on here was because of the season, was that two years ago now or three years ago when he was on the Jets? He had a career year that year, um, which is why he got a big contract for a kicker with the Seahawks. Um, Yeah, he didn't have the best season last year. As you've been saying, he was low 80s in in the field goal category. And he did miss four extra points. But um, <laughs> um, I do think that he will be able to kind of get back to the way he was back in 2018 with the Jets. Um, I think he'll be a little bit more consistent, especially on those extra points. I think he'll be able to clear them up a little bit. And um, those 50 yarders, though, if he can get three out of four, I think he'll be great with that. 
but yeah, I think that he's poised for a really big season this year. Yeah, I didn't have him on my list, um, but I think anytime you're in an offense with Russell Wilson, they're going to score. Uh, it's going to be harder in the NFC West, but still, it's Russell Wilson. So, <laughs> my number six is a guy I really like, actually, uh, Matt Prater for the Lions, and from even the stuff that I've read and watched just today alone, talking about the Lions, um, Matthew Stafford is now. I don't know. It's like everyone is just now realizing that Matthew Stafford is a dark horse MVP candidate. Um, Aaron Schatz, the uh, an analyst guy for Football Outsiders, he was on Good Morning Football today on NFL Network and talked about uh, Matthew Stafford being a dark horse MVP candidate. So if Stafford does play up to that level uh definitely gonna help Matt Prater projected as kicker four this year which I was kind of surprised but like I just said if Stafford is gonna play that way and they're gonna throw the ball around they're gonna score a lot more and I think their division is weaker this year um than it has been in the past especially with Minnesota's defense losing a bunch of people um Green Bay staying the same pretty much and then um chicago their defense is still pretty good but you never know how competitive they're going to be on offense mm-hmm. so i think praters they're not going to be in a lot of tight divisional games most likely anyways uh when it comes to the bears and um the vikings i think the packers are going to be their toughest opponent but definitely Prater's going to score and like you see, seven of eight on 50-plus last year was great. Uh, if he can get the same or close to that, uh, he's definitely going to be close to that kicker four that they have him projected. Yeah, he's one of the few kickers that's on here that probably his overall numbers would go down if you took away the 50s, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure who has the strongest leg in the league, um, but like I've said with a couple guys before, uh, Prater's definitely up there, especially when he was in uh, Denver as well. Mm-hmm. Kicked the NFL record 63-yarder. Well, the thin air up there makes it go farther. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the number five we have here is, is both of us. And uh, I'll go first with Robbie Gold for the Niners. Only played 13 games. That's uh, where Chase McLaughlin played three games out of his 11 with the Niners last year. But even in those 13 games, he still had relatively a a down year. Um, Under 75% field goals, really bad. I think that attributed from his injury, though. I think that that limited his his accuracy. And like you see, 0 for 4 on 50, that's very bad. Uh, you want to make at least one of those, probably more like two. Fifty uh, percent, I think, is probably the minimum you want on fifty-plus yards. So, kicker eighteen last year was not not very good, but if he can rebound and be the kicker five that he's projected and that we both have him at, um, he'll definitely be good option in fantasy here. Yeah, um, 
like you were saying, if he can stay on the field and if he can clean up those 50 yarders, he will, I think, definitely be able to make it to the top five. Um, I mean, the offense out there in San Francisco is pretty good. I don't think it'll be, I think it'll be kind of like middle of the pack this year. Mm-hmm. But um, again, like I've been saying for most of the time, most of the time, if Jimmy Garoppolo could stay healthy, which I think he can because he had a great season last year, but the season before when he got hurt, we saw how bad that team was. And, I mean, I think Nick Mullins is still their backup right now. So if Jimmy Garoppolo goes down again, I wouldn't look anywhere near Robbie Gold because they were a terrible team that year. Even with the great defense they have, their, their offense wouldn't really be doing anything. Um, but yeah, I think that Robbie Gold has the potential to get to that kicker five, which is why I put him there and which is why you put him there and which is why he is projected to be the kicker five. Um, but like you were saying, he is playing in a tough division in the NFC West, um, with, I'd say it's definitely tougher than it has been the last couple of years because the Cardinals are actually a legit team now. And even though the Rams are kind of taking a step back, they still, I think, have a pretty good defense. So, I don't know. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. But I expect a big season from Robbie Gold here. Yeah, and we both have Greg Zerline at number four. And But I'll let you go first for this one, Chris. All right, so, I put him at four here mostly because of his name and what he's done in the past. Because he's technically, I guess, still in a kicker battle, too. Even though they signed him to like a three-year like long-term deal or whatever but the other guy was a Kai Forbath I think they have too yeah um so there's kind of a little bit of a position battle but all signs are leaning towards Greg's airline being the kicker for Dallas um and if he can return to the way that he was in the past I see big things for him this year um he just needs to clean up the accuracy a little bit from last year. He was only he only hit seventy two percent, twenty four of thirty three, um, but he was pretty good from fifty on. For he went five for seven there, and he was perfect on extra points. So, as lo- if he can clean up the accuracy a little bit for the shorter field goals, then I think he's in for a really good season, especially in that offense. Yeah. Um... Craig Zerline had a, a really bad year last year when it comes to field goals. Like you said, 50-plus, he's awesome. Again, he's one of the better long-range kickers. Um, but the, the interesting thing is is that uh, he was perfect on extra points, um, but when you take out the, the field goals, he would have been 19 for 26 from under 50. And a uh, 33-yard extra point, I don't know. It, it's just weird to see him miss seven kicks um, from inside 50 but make all 33-yard extra points. Mm-hmm. Like you said, though, I feel like out, last year was an outlier with the Rams. Um, again, it wasn't – the Rams weren't really that good anyways – a lot better team in Dallas. Um, he'll have more opportunities. And, yeah. I. That's the only thing, though. 
will his extra points necessarily go up? Probably. Uh, I'm not sure if his field goals go up or down, though. I, I would have to look on what Brett Maher's field goal statistics were last year to see how many attempts he had. But I'm not sure that um, – I know it's definitely not going to go up. There, There's no way he, he kicks more than 33 field goals. Yeah. Um, see, with with that, I I don't think that he I, – I think, like you said, he'll get probably somewhere around 30. So if you take three of those away, if all three of those are the misses, then his percentage will go up. So that's what I was saying before, too. As long as he can stay consistent with those field goals – then he's golden. Yeah, as long as he misses all of his kicks against Philadelphia, um, he'll be okay. (laughs) My number three here is the Super Bowl champs kicker, Harrison Butker, former Panther. I'm kind of mad they they let him go. Well, they didn't really let him go. The Chiefs just signed him off their practice squad or got him off waivers whenever the, the Panthers tried to to, to cut him at the end of training camp and put him on their practice squad, but they, they couldn't get that move um, squared away. Wonderful season last year. Uh, only four misses, and three of those were from 50-plus. So only one miss from under 50 for Bucker there. 50% of his 50-plus, 50, 50 um, pretty solid there. And then uh, three misses from from the extra points was kicker one last year had a really good season kicker one projected this year again but like we've said all along it's the offense uh they're projecting the chiefs to score 51 touchdowns this is now the realm of possibility scoring 48 last year so (laughs) and we have our we have our three and two flipped i know uh we'll see coming up here but will lutz for the saints is what you have at three so I have him at three and Bucker at two because I think, like, I'll kind of touch on it when I talk about Bucker, but I think that Bucker will have more opportunities because he's on a better offense. But Will Lutz, like, I, they're both worthy of the number two spot. But I only put Bucker ahead because I think he has more opportunities. But as we see with Lutz here, he was – he missed only one extra point and he was the projection that we've been seeing all like for everybody three for five on fifties. And I mean, he was almost 90% with, with uh, field goals. He would have been, let's see, 30 for 31, I think. Or no. 29 30 of 31. For, yeah. 29 of 31. There you go. I can count. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that definitely is over 90% there on shorter field goals. Um, it's kind of hard to tell though with the Saints offense because the Saints offense has always been like amazing, but the, um, but now they actually have like a legitimate number two receiver. So I think he'll take it. Like, I think he'll make them score more touchdowns even though they had 49 last year, I think that they have a chance of hitting 50 touchdowns this year. Um, so that'll take away another field goal from him. But, yeah, I just I think that Will Lutz is 
one of the best kickers in the league, which is why we have him in the top three. And, I mean, even ESPN projects him at number two, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I like Willett. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I'll talk about him in a couple seconds here. But, yeah, Harrison Bucker for you at number two. Uh, so, yeah, like I was saying, I put Bucker here because I think that he has the bigger upside because of the offense that he's on. Um, I don't know. I think that even though the I think the Chiefs will score more touchdowns, which means less field goals for Bucker, I still think that he will score more points because the offense scores more points. I think he'll make up for the lost field goals in extra points. So, yeah, I I mean, obviously he was the number one kicker last year, and then he's projected again for the number one this year. And like you were saying before with him, they're projected 51 touchdowns, which is not out of the realm of possibilities. And even on top of that, he's still projected to attempt 31 field goals. I think that the 26 for 31 is a little low, but still, he has 81 or 82 opportunities there in the projections to score points. So that's probably more than anybody else in the league will get. Yeah, uh, I just calculated it, and it if you take the extra point numbers over a season, uh, it's a little over three extra points attempts per game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's almost three guaranteed points every week, mm-hmm. which is pretty solid for a kicker. I mean, you're looking more like five is like five points a game for a kicker is definitely like top, top. But, yeah. Um, yeah, number two for me, I have Will Lutz. And it always seems like Will Lutz is kicking at least four game-winning field goals a year for the Saints. Uh, and they're usually not from easy distances, like 40, 40 plus, usually. Um, yeah, he is definitely one of the best kickers in the league. Um, I don't really have a lot else to say about him. I mean, uh, you pretty much said it all. But, yeah, again, it's it's the offense. They're, they're going to be competitive. And the thing is, is the division doesn't really – have the defenses um, to stop Drew Brees and Co. I mean, Tampa, I think, is the best div- the best defense outside of New Orleans. Um, and I think those are definitely the top two in the division. Uh, Panthers are really young on defense, and the Falcons found their stride late in the season. Whether they can do that uh, for a whole season this year, we'll, be, we'll have to see. But, well, let's... Definitely a top option when it comes to the kicking game. And number one, uh, we both have the same one, Justin Tucker with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he's projected as kicker three, so we, we kind of have a backwards uh, projection from ESPN where our three is their one and our one is their, th- or their I mean, three. I mean, honestly, though, all three of these guys, I'd be happy with having any of them. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't know. Justin Tucker is just, he's the most accurate kicker in NFL history for one. Um, And you can see the only thing is he doesn't kick many long field goals. That's also a product of his offense because his offense scores so many times. He scored 59 touchdowns last year. It's ridiculous. Um, But yeah, 
definitely extra points are going to go down. Uh, there's no way they score that many again. Uh, yeah. I would expect field goals probably to stay the same, around 30 like they have it there. And I would definitely like to see him kick more long-range field goals, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they can get those long-range field goal numbers up, then he definitely probably goes to number two or number one kicker. But, uh, I mean, I think in order to do that, though, they have to not score as many touchdowns, which the 59 is a hard number to get to. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible for them to get 59 again, but highly unlikely that they get 59 touchdowns again. So, I mean, especially because everybody knows now who Lamar Jackson is and what he's capable of. So they're going to plan around that. Um, And again, the division Steelers are a top five defense. The the Browns and, and Bengals are getting better. The Browns are definitely better than the Bengals, but Browns are getting better, and so are the Bengals on defense. Yeah, so, like I said before, though, all three of these top three guys, I think, are interchangeable because um, they're all on really high-powered offenses, and they're all really good kickers. It's not They're not only the top three because they're on good offenses. They're, on, like, they're actually good kickers, too. So. Yeah, definitely. Justin Tucker, number one for us. Um, on the kicker fantasy rankings and uh, we'll go to the defensive rankings here which I think we're going to talk a little bit more in depth now uh, because there's a lot more variables to talk about than than the kickers so we both actually ended up putting Houston at uh, number 16 here and um, I think yeah I'll, I'll go first here for Houston. So Houston's always been really good on defense. Um, the issue is they've lost a lot over the years. J.J. Watt is still there. Uh, how much he actually has left is up for debate. But they, they also have Whitney Merciless there. The thing is, is their linebackers I don't think are that great. Um, their secondary is, is pretty good. I would say, but uh, not the best in with Gary and Conley, Bradley Roby at corner, and then uh, Jalen Watkins and Justin Reed at safety. Justin Reed, definitely one of the better safeties, though, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like I said, their linebackers, I think, are the weak spot, though. Inside linebackers, uh, not with Whitney Merciless and um, Brennan Scarlett. They definitely need someone else opposite Merciless, but um, linebackers are definitely the issue there, I think. They're Projection is 25th, so not good for ESPN. Uh, but I think they can only go up after allowing over 6,000 yards last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think a big factor in how they do is if J.J. Watt is down the field. That's been their kind of Achilles heel, in a sense, for the last however many years now. He's one of the best players in the league when he can stay on the field, but he can't stay on the field, which is the problem. He's the heart and soul of that defense, I think, and when he goes out, then the whole defense kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. And that's why they allowed over 6,000 yards last year. Um, I mean, they're still projected to give up 5,700 yards, but the rest of the numbers, I think, are pretty, uh, pretty reasonable, though. 
I think that they have a good shot at 37 sacks and 12 interceptions. Like you said, they have a decent secondary, um, especially Reed. And then the fumbles will come if they can get those sacks. They will uh, blindside whoever the quarterback is and drop and make him drop the ball and stuff. And that's the one factor right there, too, is the touchdowns. That's very hard to predict with defenses because most of the time the touchdown is such a situational um, thing. Like, So if they can score a couple touchdowns like that, I think they'll be just fine. But, again, I think their season really depends on if that man right there in the picture, J.J. Watt, can stay healthy. Yeah, I think the touchdown. The touchdowns, though, we got to remember is that this is defense and special teams. So, especially a couple of the the teams we have later, uh, their touchdown number definitely is contributed from special teams. Um, I don't think that's as much of a factor in Houston with uh, their projected punt returner and kick returner being DeAndre Carter right now. I think that if Kiki QT would move into the punt return role instead of DeAndre Carter. I think they would have a better shot at getting more at getting some punt return touchdown. Um, because Kiki QT did that in college at Texas Tech, but um, yeah, I don't think the special teams really is a big factor for Houston, anyways. That's why they're down at sixteen. Right. Um, number fifteen for you. This is where you have the Cowboys, Chris. Yeah, so I think that the Cowboys will have a great season, especially since they have like such a great offense. I think that the offense will take a lot of um, pressure off of the defense. And I, even with the loss of someone like Byron Jones, who, again, Byron Jones, is he got way overpaid. And I don't blame the Cowboys for not signing into that kind of deal but they have so many other pieces on that defense from um why am I blanking on the guy's name all of them uh Leighton Van Der Esch well him but no the the Demarcus Lawrence yes Demarcus Lawrence thank you I don't know why his name escaped me but he's probably their best defensive player and like you said Leighton Van Der Esch and they probably have uh, like one of the more complete defenses, I think. Um, they're just a little lacking in the secondary because of the loss of Byron Jones. But as much as I don't want it to happen, I think if Jamal Adams does get traded, it is to this Dallas Cowboys team. So if they are able to add him, that will just make it even better. And... Again, I think that most of the time the Cowboys will be playing with the lead, which will help the Cowboys in their <clears throat> defense because um, they will know that most of the time the quarterback will be throwing the ball, so the quarterback will be holding on to the ball more, allowing for more opportunities for sacks and stuff. And since this also counts in special teams, I think that their special teams, I mean, they're projected three touchdowns overall, so... I think at least one of those has to be a special teams touchdown. Um, uh, do they still have Tavon Austin? Yeah. Yeah, so 
I think he'll be on the field for a special team. And we saw what he did when he was with the Rams, and I think he'll do the same here for Dallas. So, yeah, I expect them to have a good season this year. Yeah, I don't have the Cowboys on my list. Um, definitely have to improve the interception numbers from last year. Under 10 mm-hmm. is, is really bad. Uh, their sack numbers are good. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, like you said, is, is all they really have at edge rush. They're banking on guys that have suspension issues in the past to fulfill the other edge in Alden Smith and Randy Gregory. Um, but they added Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy on the interior, so I think that helps them whether those guys have a lot of push left in their careers or not. I'm not sure, especially with Dontari Poe. Um, I know Gerald McCoy does because he played pretty well with the Panthers last year. But um, secondary definitely is the issue. I think if they would get Jamal Adams, it would vault them into the top ten in defenses. However, um, my 15, though, is their division rival, the Eagles. Um, I think their defense is going to be much, much improved. They're projected to be worse defensively this year. Um, I don't really understand why when they added to the defense and didn't lose anything. Uh, really, I mean, they lost Malcolm Jenkins and Nigel Bradham, but they got Darius Slay. They finally have a number one corner, and their their young corners played pretty well last year um, for all the injuries that they had. I mean, you saw against the Packers in that primetime game, uh, Craig James makes the game-winning deflection that gets intercepted, and the Eagles win in Green Bay, which I project that they do again this year, but... Um. Yeah, they're gonna. They're always one of the best teams when it comes to sacking the quarterback. They have one of the mo- the deepest defensive lines, especially at D tackle with Malik Jackson, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and then when you look at their edge, it's Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. Barnett has to have a, a season this year uh, in order to keep him around for the long term, or else uh, he's going to be a draft first round draft bust. The issue like it has been in the past, is going to be at the linebacker position for the Eagles. Uh, a lot of inexperience there with Nathan Gary being the most experienced. They brought in Jatavis Brown this year. Uh, Alex Singleton is a guy that's projected to be a starter, but I think it's going to be more like TJ Edwards at middle linebacker more than Jatavis Brown. And uh, Davion, Davion Taylor, their third-round linebacker out of Colorado, I think he's going to get a shot at the strong side um, position in their 4-3 base Jalen Mills moving to safety, I think, is going to help them. But this is another team that was is in the Jamal Adams conversation. And again, I think it's the same thing with the Cowboys, though. If they get Jamal Adams at the safety position, move Jalen Mills back to corner, that vaults the Eagles into the top ten, I think. I mean, I hope nobody gets Jamal Adams. But... <laughs> But, I mean, when you're talking about special teams, though, I forgot to, to look on here. I mean, the, their special teams aren't that great uh, when it comes to returns anyways. I think their uh, their best asset is kick return with uh, Boston Scott. 
they put Miles Sanders there a couple times last year since he was a rookie, but now he's the lead back, so he's definitely not going to be there. But Boston Scott on kick returns could have a shot. He's definitely shifty and uh, has the speed to do it. My number 14 here is the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, I referenced them earlier, and like I said, I think their their defense is definitely improving. They're, they're pretty young on defense, with the exception of a couple guys like Olivier Vernon and um, Carl Joseph, Sheldon Richardson as well. But um, defensive line is really good. Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, Adrian Claiborne as a backup. Uh, Andrew Billings is, is a backup D tackle there. Jordan Elliott, Chad Thomas. So I think their defensive line is definitely good. Uh, secondary is also pretty solid with Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams at corner. Their, their depth might be an issue there. Uh, safety is so-so with Carl Joseph, but they get Grant Telpit in the draft this year. Um, again, the, the linebacking core I think is going to be the, the concern with the Browns. Uh, B.J. Goodson, Mac Wilson, and Sione Takitaki are the, the three right now. Not a lot behind them either, which is, was, is really the, the biggest concern I have with, with depth for them. So if their linebackers can play well, um, I definitely think they're, they're in the top Fifteen here, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, you know the special teams aspect. I'm not really sure. Jarvis Lander is their punt returner. It says right now on the ESPN depth chart. Uh, I am not sure if he did that last year or not. I can't remember, but I wouldn't put it past them to put him in in there situationally, sort of like the Steelers used to do with Antonio Brown. They mm-hmm. would always put him in maybe once or twice a game on punt returns and see what he can do. And Antonio Brown usually um, <laughs> produced when he was in there. I so, mean, there was also a time where he, like, kicked the Browns guy in the face. but Yeah, uh, it was it was a bangle. It was Kevin Huber. Bangle. Right. Kevin Huber for the Bengals. Um, destroyed his jaw. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Tavir Thomas is their kicker turner right now. Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't know too much about him, but. I think Jarvis Lander on punt returns definitely would uh, increase their special teams production and could get them one of the touchdowns that they have of the two projected. Your number 14 here is your team, Chris. I, I kind of figured you would put them on here. I mean, ESPN has them at number 12. Well, yeah. So when I saw that they were actually the number seven from last year, I was like, I have to put them <laughs> on there because they are improved from what they had last year. And they still have Greg Williams, which is who's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Um, he, I mean, the Jets are getting people back that they lost last year in C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson. They're two inside linebackers. And I think the addition of those two will just make the Jets pretty much even better than they were last year, even though I don't see them, obviously I have them at 14 when they were at seven last year. But I just think that having those two in the middle and if they are able to keep Jamal Adams on that team, I think the defense overall, even with the lack of corners and I guess the lack of edge rusher, but I think that overall this team will, because Greg Williams, like I was saying before, He's the, one of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinator in the league. 
he made a ragtag team of Jets players last year rank seventh in the league. So when he actually has players now, I think that he'll be. I I, I can see them being a very good on defense. And as for special teams, though, um, I don't even know who their special teams returners are right now. I think it's Braxton Berrios or whoever else they have there. He was decent for them last year. I mean, they never scored with him as the returner. But he did get close, I think, once or twice. Um, And he did break off a couple very long ones, which obviously the return doesn't really count for fantasy unless they score the touchdown. But they definitely do have the potential. I mean, also, last year they had six defensive touchdowns, which I think is a big reason why they were seventh. And they're only projected two this year. But I don't know. I, I think that they – I don't think they're good in six, but I think they'll get more than two like it has projected there. And, yeah, I, I agree with most of the projections there, but I'm not just being a homer here, but I think that the Jets are definitely the top half of the league there for the defense. Yeah, there's no way they get – there's no way they get six again. Um, two is definitely attainable. Braxton Berrios is the punt returner along with Jameson Crowder right now. Um, and then their kick returner it has is Vincent Smith. So mm-hmm. <laughs> not too much uh, confidence in Vincent Smith, I would I would assume, on kick returns. But, um, yeah, I think the, the biggest issue is, is the sacks. I think it, if they can get closer to 40, um, they would be where you have them or – even where ESPN has them at 12. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're playing in a somewhat difficult division, so... Um, they have the second-hardest schedule in the league, but... <laughs> there you go. I still think that they have the pieces, and I keep mentioning his name, but Greg Williams is a mastermind on defense. So... Yeah, the corners are the issue, like you said, but um should be all right. Mm-hmm. The L.A. Chargers here, uh, we both have them at 13, uh, but I'll let you take it away first. Well, I just I think that they're going to be, I mean, obviously better than they were last year. They were 21, and we have them at 13, and so does ESPN. But it's kind of weird to see them being so low last year because I thought that they were one of the best last year. Um, but I just think they have a complete defense with obviously Bosa there and Casey Hayward as one of the corners and Ingram and basically all those other guys I think it really depends on how much they actually have to work though because the Chargers offense I see kind of sputtering out a lot forcing the defense to have to play more and I don't want to actually. I don't want to say like actually try, but I feel like the Chargers are going to be playing behind a lot, which is going to have the, which is going to make the defense have to actually stop them and work harder and stuff. But I think that they have all those pieces, like I was saying before, that they can be a solid team. And um, I don't know who their return game is, but uh, yeah. I just think the Chargers have a lot of good pieces, and they have the sack numbers. Like you were saying before with the Jets, if they can get 30 
they're projected 36. They had 30 last year. I think they can get to that 36 number. At 11 interceptions is a decent number. The, the number that seems kind of high to me, but also I think could possibly be attained, is that seven fumble recovers. Like, getting a fumble isn't hard, but the recovery part is the hard part because you never know where the ball's going to bounce. So if you can get seven, that's great, but I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. Well, I think when you look at the top defenses, um, like I was saying with the Jets, um, I think 40 sacks is a minimum. And then double-digit interceptions, most definitely. Double-digit fumble recoveries is also a minimum when you're talking about a top defense. So 13th here for the Chargers. But, um, yeah, like you said, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. They added Linval Joseph this offseason. They have Denzel Perriman at linebacker. They added Kenneth Murray in the draft first round. Um, they also got Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos yeah, at corner. They have Desmond or Derwin James at safety, Nasir Adderley at safety, who was in his second year. Casey Hayward, you mentioned, at corner. And then Desmond King as well is one of the best um, slot corners out there. And also Desmond King is their returner for both punts and kicks. And he's actually one of the better punt returners as well out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if this defense can put it all together, I think they can score more than three touchdowns. Um, that would help the Chargers' overall record <laughs> when you talk about real life. Mm-hmm. And I think this is definitely, the, like you said, the stronger part of the, of the Chargers' team overall. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind them scoring a couple of touchdowns because I have them as my one of my defenses in our uh, dynasty league. So I wouldn't mind them scoring some points. Yeah, I think the issue comes in at is um, is depth though. There, when I look at their depth, it's not very inspiring. <laughs> Number twelve here for is is the Saints for me. I know this is low, um, especially compared to where you have them. But, and and I do agree with actually where you have them. I'm I'm not really sure what I was thinking when I put them this low, but. Uh, they're here for me anyways, and I think they're definitely going to surpass my ranking. Uh, projected as number eight. They were number eight last year. Four touchdowns, 51 sacks, really good. Uh, they weren't the, the most sacks, but 51 sacks. I'm not even sure where all 51 of those came from. I know Cam Jordan is definitely one of the best defensive ends in the league, as well as Sheldon Rankins at D-Tackle. Uh, I'm not sure how many Marcus Davenport got last year, but um, their 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 overall roster is pretty solid. Janoris Jenkins at corner, Marshawn Lattimore. They added Malcolm Jenkins from the Eagles. They have Marcus Williams at safety as well. C.J. Gardner Johnson is their slot guy, along with uh, P.J. Williams and Patrick Robinson. Mm-hmm. They added Zach Bond in the draft at linebacker. Uh, which I think he'll actually play a lot more than people think this year because of the injury concerns with Kiko Alonso. And their their linebackers, other than Demario Davis, I don't think are that great with Kiko Alonso and Alex Anzalone. So mm-hmm. Zach Bond, I think, is definitely going to have to play this year. And uh, Trey Hendrickson and David Onyemata even are, are pretty solid as uh, depth pieces. But, yeah, the projections show there um, – they're over that 40-sack threshold, like I said, over 
10 in, inter, in interceptions and fumble recoveries. And they have one of the best returners in the league as well in Deontay Harris um, for both punts and kicks. I think he's better at punt returns, but um, he did show, I believe, kicker return last year. I don't think he had a touchdown, but he did have a couple of long ones. But, yeah, Saints, pretty low for me. Uh, but, yeah, I think they'll be higher. Number 12 here, you have the Bucks, which is kind of the opposite of what I had with the Saints. So, yeah, I I know that they have a bunch of really good players, especially on that line in, like, Nagdama Kung Su, Jason Pierre-Paul, and other guys like that. And I just think that the, their numbers really depend on the offense. If the offense can stay on the field and keep the ball rolling and stuff and keep the clock running and stuff, they're not going to have to do as much and not going to be on the field as much. So I think that'll actually help their numbers go higher because with them being on the field less, that means that they don't have as many yards against them or points against them or all that kind of stuff. But that also means that they're not going to have as many opportunities to get to, like, I definitely think that it's going to dip in production from last year. Um, like, they were close to 50 last year, but I like the number more towards 40 like they have it. Um, and the interceptions, though, I don't know. I think the interceptions are a little high. Um, I think a couple, a couple less than that, like maybe somewhere around 10. And again, the fumble recoveries, I'm never really, like, I never really like to look at the fumble recoveries as a good stat because the, like, that's such a hard thing to do because the ball is such a weird shape, so it bounces randomly. And so it's hard to recover fumbles, but they got 16 last year, and they also scored six touchdowns. It's kind of similar to the Jets. I don't really see them scoring that many touchdowns again. But two in the productions is obtainable, and I think they could even get to three maybe. Um, but, yeah, I think their numbers really depend, like I said, on how well the offense actually does. Because the less time on the field that, they're, that they have to be on, I think the better they are. Yeah, I'll talk about them in a couple selections here. But number 11, this is where you have the Indianapolis Colts, Chris. Yeah, so when I saw that ESPN had them at four, I was kind of really surprised. I mean, I do think they're going to be a good defense, but not number four. That was a little too high for me. Um, but again, this is another team where I think the improved offense will help them out a lot. Um which, because they're not going to be on the field as much and all that. But I do think with um, their whole offense, they, I mean, sorry, their whole defense, I think they have the opportunity to get to 40 sacks and to get the 11 interceptions. The touchdowns, though, I'm trying to think, who's their, who's their return team for that oh man i was gonna talk about him in in mind but naheem hines oh hines is their uh return guy yeah well i mean i don't know there's a chance i guess for him i don't know i've never really liked him oh i'll talk about him 
So, yeah, I'll let you talk about that. But I think that their defense overall will just be one of the best in the in the AFC, especially because of the division they're in. They're in a division, yeah, against Derrick Henry and, yeah, against Deshaun Watson. But they have the Jaguars who they're probably going to dominate both of those games. And, I mean... Yeah, I just, I like their whole, I'm a big Colts believer this year, so I like everything about them. Again, just like the Bucks, I have them higher, so I'll be talking about them here in, in a couple. But I have, it's again, I have another division rival back-to-back. So I have the Titans here at number 11. Um, I've always kind of been high on the Titans, but never really too confident in them to draft them because they've always kind of been a so-so defense. They were 12th last year, projected as 20th this year, uh, giving up a lot more points, which I'm kind of surprised, but at the same time not really because they lost their, they didn't re-sign Logan Ryan. They still have Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson at corner, Jonathan Joseph as well, uh, drafted Christian Fulton. Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard, I think, is one of the, the better safety duos in the league. Um their their issue is up front. They had 43 sacks last year, which I was kind of surprised to see, considering they didn't really have anything opposite of um, Harold Landry. They got Big Beasley this year, which I'm not very confident in. Jeffrey Simmons needs to take the next step at D-end in their 3-4 base. If he can get more sacks this year, I think that'll definitely help their standing. Um, again, the inside linebackers aren't that good. Uh, Rashawn Evans actually is pretty solid, but Jayon Brown, I, I don't have a lot of belief in, though. They actually do have a, a pretty good special teams unit, though. Uh, see, they scored four touchdowns last year, uh, defense and special teams combined. I'm not sure how many of those were special teams, but they definitely have the ability with Adam Humphreys as their punt returner and Khalif Raymond as their kick returner. I think um, it's kind of hard to think about pretty good kick returners anymore since uh, there's not a lot of return opportunities but uh, I think in my mind Khalif Raymond is definitely one of the better kick returners out there uh, but yeah uh, I'm not sure if the, if they're going to get to 40 sacks or not this year like I said it, it depends if Vic Beasley uh, pans out in his one year deal or not if he's motivated or not we'll see but um yeah, the Titans at 11, I think, is a good spot for them. Number 10, I have the Packers here. The Packers, I'm very, like, I, I love the Packers' defense. I don't know why ESPN doesn't. Uh, they were 18th last year, uh, and that's really a product of having under double-digit fumble recoveries. They're the only team on our list that has no that had no defensive or special teams touchdowns last year, which... Their special teams, I don't think, are that good anyways. Uh, with Tyler Irvin as their punt and kick returner, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in him. But I think their defense can definitely score some touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. The duo, the, the Smith brothers, uh, Zedarius and Preston Smith, uh, they're one of the best pass-rushing duos out there. Um, and their secondary, while it is young, it's pretty good with Jair Alexander and Kevin King at corners, Adrian Amos and, and Darnell Savage at safety. Um, 
they get Christian Kirksey from the Browns at linebacker to fill in Blake Martinez's spot. Oren Burks is their other inside linebacker. I, I don't really like him too much, but their um, front three is also pretty solid. Kenny Clark is one of the best interior defenders in the league as well. Very underrated interior defender. He's going to get paid soon. And then Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster aren't that great, but um, Kenny Clark definitely in the middle there. Um is a great player as well and like I said I think that they can score some touchdowns this year and with Stefan Diggs out of Minnesota it's going to make the Vikings a little bit easier to play against on offense as well as the Bears the Bears are going to be easy to play against whether it's Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky I don't think the Bears are going to pose a big threat to the Packers defense um and so I think, really, I, personally, I do believe that Matthew Stafford and the Lions is the, is the best offense they're going to face overall, complete offense. Um, Aaron Rodgers is definitely the best quarterback, but in terms of number of targets in the division, uh, I think Matthew Stafford gives them the uh, the hardest offense to play against when it comes to the Packers' mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. Year number 10, it's it's a whole thing with this rankings here. We had division rivals back to back for the Vikings. Yeah. yeah. So even though they lost a lot of players, especially in the secondary this past offseason, I still think that they have a decent um, a decent line and line back and core. Um, I mean, I have them right there with ESPN there going at number ten, but. Again, like you were saying, they're in a division with the Bears, who aren't great on offense. And even though they, unlike the Packers, have to face the Packers um, and the Lions, I still think that the, uh, the, I mean, the Vikings always play the Packers hard no matter what. So I think that they will do fine in at least one of those games against the Packers. And... Even though Lions have the best overall offense, I, I don't know. I'm, I've never been a big believer in the Lions. So those games, I don't know. But, yeah, if they can get close to what they had last year with the 17 interceptions, which I know is going to be hard because of their overhaul at in the secondary, I, I just think that if they can – well, they're also supposed to drop nine sacks, which – I don't know. 48 is a pretty high number, but I think that they can hit at least 40 with the sacks. And, again, fumble recoveries, they're a very big question mark. If they can get 11, that would be great too, though. And then comes the touchdowns. I definitely think that they can get a couple defensive touchdowns. And then, on top of that, their uh, return game, I don't know why I'm blanking again. I'm terrible with all the return guys then. Mike Hughes is their punt returner, and Amir Abdullah is their kick returner. Yeah, so um, I think that they definitely have a better shot at returning a kick than a punt, but um, yeah, I could see Abdullah going all for a touchdown on a kick return, but I think overall they're, they're still one of the better defenses in the NFC, even with all their secondary uh, question marks and all that. But, yeah, I definitely think that they'll be a top-10 defense when the season's over. Yeah, 
again, I have them a little bit higher, but um, the the Broncos here for you at number nine, Chris. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Broncos, they've always been known to be a defensive team, and they had a bit of a step back last year, as you see, they're number twenty there, but they have a coach who's supposed to be this defensive guru in Vic Vic, Vic Fangio. Um, and they still have, even though they lost Chris Harris, they still have like plenty of pieces on that defense to make up for his departure. They still have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and they still have Simmons at safety. And again, another theme going through this, the offense of the Broncos, I think if they can get it, a rhythm going and stuff, and they can do what a lot of us think that they have the potential to do, I think it'll make it easier for this defense. And um, I definitely think 39 sacks there projected, though, is a little low. I think they can get 40. Um, and I, I like the 13 interceptions, and I like, yeah, eight fumble recoveries, sure. But... <laughs> I don't know. I think that the 5,500 yards is a little high, too. So I th- I think that a lot of the numbers here are pretty good. But, um, yeah, I, I just – I've always been a big fan of the Broncos defense. And last year's numbers, like I said, it was probably because of, like, the new system or whatever. But I think that they'll do much better this year than they did last year. Again – especially with um, the changes in their division, too. Obviously, they still have to play the Chiefs twice, which is going to be a tough two games. But now they play the Chargers without Phillip Rivers, possibly with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback twice. And Oakland, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say about Oakland because I've never been a big Derek Carr fan. So I don't even with their new additions and all that, I still think that the Broncos have the advantage over them. So I think that being in the division they're in is going to help them out a lot too. Yeah, again, this is kind of like uh, the Saints. I I don't know why I kind of overlooked the Broncos when when picking. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the Broncos, they, they traded for Jarrell Casey from Tennessee. They re-signed Shelby Harris. They they still have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, like you said. Um, their linebackers are actually really underrated in Alexander Johnson and Todd Davis. And like you said, Justin Simmons is still at safety. I think the, the issue comes at corner. Isaac Yadam is, is in his second year. He needs to prove that... Um, actually, no, he's in his third year, I believe. I think he was a 2018 draft pick. So he needs to prove that he can be the guy uh, second round pick he was they traded for AJ Bouye I'm not sure how much he has left um, from his glory years in, in Tennessee or in, in Jacksonville I mean uh, played in Houston a little bit but yeah the the secondary is really young outside of Bouye so that's where I think the issue comes with that with this defense but yeah they also have a really good return specialist in Deontay Spencer as well um, kicks and punts for him as well as they could probably mix in Deshaun Hamilton on mm-hmm. punt returns 
which he was really good at Penn State doing that. K.J. Hamler, if, if they want to put K.J. Hamler at punt returns too, um, he was also really good at punt returns at Penn State. So um, I wouldn't put it past the Broncos to be in the top 10 in defenses this year. Um, and when you were talking about the, the divisional opponents, uh, the lines that they're going to go up against in the division are, are not that great, especially when you look at the tackles in the division. Um, Eric Fisher is the best left tackle in the division for the Chiefs. Um, and then you have Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle for the Chiefs. So I think the Chiefs tackles are definitely the best. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look at the Chargers, the Chargers' left tackle is up for grabs right now with Sam Tevy and I forget who the other guy is that's battling for that spot. Uh, right tackle is Brian Balaga, so you're not you're gonna have a hard time on that side, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raiders, I'm, I'm blanking on who their tackles are, but I know their offensive line overall, other than Rodney Hudson, is not that great. So mm-hmm. they shouldn't have a problem getting to 40 sacks, like you said. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, they're de- I, def- <clears throat> excuse me. I definitely expect them to get at least 100 fantasy points. I mean, last year they only had 81, which is very low for a defense. So definitely expect them to get at least 100. Yeah, and my number nine is where this is where I had the Vikings here. Um, they still have Daniel Hunter, but like you said, they lost a ton of guys in the secondary. Xavier Rhodes is gone, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes. But what they do still have in the secondary is one of the best safety tandems in Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. Now they're going to have to decide whether to keep who to keep next year. Uh, when Anthony Harris comes off the franchise tag and Harrison Smith, his contract is up next year, I believe. So they're going to have to decide that. But um, young corners, Mike Hughes is in his second year as a first-round pick. Jeff Gladney, their first-round pick, one of their two first-round picks this year. Cameron Dantzler, a third-round pick this year. They also have Chris Boyd, a fifth-round pick uh, from two years ago, I believe it was. Holton Hill as well. Uh, Holden Hill is actually an interesting guy. He's uh, one of the better slot guys out there. Uh, look for him to play a lot of uh, nickel and dime sets. But Cameron Dantzler can also do that as well. I think that's where he's going to play more than likely. Their linebackers, like you said, are really good. Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, Eric Wilson. Uh, not talked about a lot, but Eric Wilson is their third linebacker there. The question is, is who replaces... Everson Griffin opposite of Daniel Hunter in the 4-3. Um, right now, it's a, it's Ifedi Odenigbo. So, and and the thing is, though, I, I really don't know who else it would be because they really don't have a lot of quality depth there. Eddie Yarborough, Anthony Zettel, former Penn State guy, DJ Wonham, a guy out of South Carolina they drafted this year. They also have Kenny Willickus. Uh, I can't remember if they drafted him or they signed him undrafted, but yeah, it's not a lot of quality depth at the edge rusher position for the Vikings. I do like their interior guys, though. Shamar Stephan and and Michael Pierce, who they got from the Ravens this year. Julio Johnson is their backup there, but um, yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark is who's opposite of Daniel Hunter and how their young corners play in the secondary there. But yeah, defense 10, like we have it right here, they're fine there. Um, like you said, Amir Abdullah, I think, can get them a touchdown on, on a kick return. 
but um, 40 sacks, I think they're definitely going to get there. I think Daniil Hunter is a dark horse for defensive player of the year. Uh, I think he can definitely get close to the sack record if he really tries uh, because he doesn't have a lot of, like I said, he doesn't have much on the other side of him to challenge him for the sack numbers. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 20 sacks this year. Hmm. Bold prediction. Yep. <laughs> before before our bold prediction show. <laughs> um, number eight is where I have Tampa, though. And like I've been saying all along, I love Tampa this year. Uh, their defense has been growing on me since the offseason started. And um, it ended up letting them at number eight on my list. So, yeah, Tampa, like you said, and Dominican Sioux. They have Vita Vea, who isn't really talked about a lot. JPP and uh, Shaq Barrett, their franchise player, on the edge. Also, linebackers, really good. Levante David and Devin White, mm-hmm. both very solid. Kevin Minter, even, their backup inside linebacker is also very solid the question with them it comes in the secondary um they have antoine winfield jr who they drafted this year but the the corners are very young carlton davis sean murphy bunting mj stewart jamel dean ryan smith um and then their safety their other safety jordan whitehead and actually their safeties are actually pretty solid though when you look at it jordan whitehead antoine winfield Andrew Adams and Justin Evans, I think their their safeties are pretty solid. But, uh, yeah, it, again, it's the secondary for Tampa. I think their front seven is very solid. The yeah. secondary comes into question there. They need to continue to get that double-digit interceptions. I think 13 is fine for them. I think at least three or four of those probably comes from the linebackers, more more than likely, with Devante, or Levante David and um, Devin White. Two touchdowns, again, it's the like you said, it's the same thing as the Jets. Six touchdowns is very unattainable year to year when it comes to defense special teams. Special teams-wise, um, not very sold on their kick return ability of um, Dari Ogumbawale, but I am sold on Justin Watson's ability to return punts. I think he could get them a punt return touchdown this year, um, possibly. But, yeah, 40 sacks, definitely attainable with, with Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. Um, Shaq Barrett, the league leader in sacks last year. I'm not yeah, sh- like I was saying when I was talking about them, the they're not going to have to be on the field as much because Brady's not throwing 30 interceptions, so they're not going to have to go on the field for 30 extra times. So they'll be fresh the whole year. Yeah, that's definitely going to um, limit their points, points allowed and uh, yards allowed as well. Like you said, mm-hmm. number eight. This is where you have New England, uh, very much lower from uh, their historic season last year. Well, I, they're not going to get what they did last year. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like they had one of the best seasons ever for anybody. And a little side note, because we're talking about the Patriots. Like, I'm going to go to Madden here, and there was, I think, five players with the perfect rating, and Stefan Gilmore was one of them. I don't really think he deserved a 99. I, I mean, I think he's the best quarterback in the league, but I don't think that any of them really deserved a 99 overall, but that's just my little piece of battle. 
Um, but yeah, there's no way that they're getting anywhere near those numbers that they did last year in points allowed or, well, maybe yards allowed, but they stopped people at a historic rate last year. But I think a big reason why they're going to drop so much, I mean, ESPN only had them dropping to five, but I had them dropping all the way down to eight. But it's because of all of the pieces they lost. Not only on defense, but they also lost Tom Brady, who made the entire team better, like you said, with Tampa Bay. Just the factor of having him makes everybody else more confident and all that. Um, but now they're going to be rolling with, well, Cam Newton, if he can stay healthy. Or they still might stick with Jared Stidham. Who knows exactly what's going to happen there. But, um, yeah, I just, overall, I think that the team will take a step back, not necessarily because of their play, but because of all their departures. Um, I do think they'll still hit 40 sacks. 14 interceptions. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing right there. They had 25 last year. That's incredible. 14 is a lot more likely. Um, and the eight fumble recoveries. And, yeah, they had seven touchdowns. Again, like we've been saying, seven touchdowns is insane. Two is a lot more likely. Um, but they have, even with all their departures, I think they still have a solid base of players. I mean, they still have the McCourty twins. They have Stephon Gilmore, like I said before. <clears throat> um, and they still have a couple other guys, too. But they are always going to be, I think, a top 10 defense as long as Bill Belichick is the coach. He's the master of coaches. Like, he's, I hate saying it, but he is the greatest coach of all time. So, with a coach like that, the team's always going to be in the top ten. Yeah, and I actually read something today about um, who was going to be their defensive coordinator this year because they kind of shared duties between his son, Steve Belichick, and um, linebackers coach Gerard Mayo last year. So there's there's a question of who who is actually going to be the, the de facto defensive coordinator, even though Bill runs the defense. Everyone knows that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll talk about them here coming up. Uh, number seven, this is where you had the Packers a little bit higher than me. Yeah, so, again, like you, I was surprised to see them at 24 um, because they did have – and I was surprised that they were only 18 last year too. I thought they had a lot better of a season. Maybe, like, in real life they had a lot better of a season, but I think a big reason was they didn't score touchdowns like, we were, like you were saying before. Um, if they can score a couple touchdowns and – do all that, I think that they can definitely be a top 10 defense. Um, with the Smith brothers, like you were saying before, and with Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos and the, the rest of that secondary, I think they have a really solid defense. And like you were saying before, with the division they're in, four of those games are going to be against, like, well, two are going to be against a really easy defense. Two are going to be against a defense still trying to find its identity. And then the other two are going to be against um, a team that is probably the best overall offense in the, in the division. But I don't know. I still think that they'll be able to do well against them. Um, but, yeah, I, I 
I could see all those numbers happening. The only thing is, I don't think I think they'll allow less yards than what they're projected to. I think they're going to be more like what they were last year, around the 5,600, 5,500 mark, rather than 58. Um, and I think that they're not, they're not going to allow 361 points. I think it's more like 340, in my opinion. So I think that they'll overall like. I, I don't understand the projections here at all because I don't understand why they're supposed to take a step back. I mean, they didn't really lose anybody, I don't think. No. So, yeah, it's weird that they're going to have a regression there. But Well, I mean, you look at it there, they're projected five less interceptions, 200 more yards, and uh, yeah. 50 more points. But the thing is, if you if you put two touchdowns in their 2019 stats... <laughs> They get over 100 points. That's 101 points there total then, mm-hmm. uh, which probably puts them into the top 15. So, um, like you said, if, if they can get touchdowns this year, uh, they'll definitely be top 15 anyways. Yeah, I'm surprised that none of those 24 turnovers from last year resulted in a touchdown. Yeah. They just don't have fast enough guys to get there. <laughs> uh, number seven, this is where I have the Colts. I mean, uh, you talked about them, but – yeah, I really like the Colts' defense this year. Def- uh, defense number four for ESPN right now. But, yeah, I mean, there there are question marks. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think their solid part is their linebackers, unlike a lot of other defenses in the NFL. I think their their best aspect is their linebackers with Darius, Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, Bobby Okariki. Um, and their front now is – probably mid-pack with the addition of DeForest Buckner at defensive tackle um, to go with Danico Autry, Justin Houston at D-end. Um, like we said a couple times talking about the Colts before, though, it's kind of the same thing as Minnesota. They need someone who is going to be the opposite of Justin Houston. It's al Kadim Muhammad on the depth chart right now, but I think it's going to be Kamoko Ture or Ben Benagu, um, which I think will definitely help them uh in that aspect, the secondary uh, is improving. I would say Rocky Yassine has come on somewhat. He hasn't really shown that he's a superstar yet. But Kenny Moore at the other corner, Kari Willis and Malik Hooker at safety. Malik Hooker has been kind of maligned as a, a former first round pick, um, but they also have T.J. Carey. They signed Xavier Rhodes in free agency, so whether he comes back to form or not. That'll be a big issue um, if he doesn't for the Colts' secondary anyways. But, yeah, all around, I think uh, this is a solid defense. They play very well. And you were talking about the division earlier. There's no DeAndre Hopkins to worry about anymore, so that that alleviates some of the pressure off their corners. Um, the best wide receiver in the division now is A.J. Brown, who's in his second year with the Titans, I would I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know. I think they're, yeah, like you said, their their divisional matchups are very good. And uh, like I said before, I project them to win the division anyway. So their their projections are definitely fine. Um, I have I have no issues. And like I I was alluding to when you were talking about the Colts, Naheem Hines for their special teams, he is one of the best punt returners in the game. And I say that because I'm speaking from experience. Watching a Panthers versus Colts game last year, 
he returned the freaking ball twice <laughs> for touchdowns in the same game on part returns, um, recording two of the three fantasy touchdowns for this unit. So, yeah, Naheem Hines definitely has is one of the best punt returners out there, especially when he gets against a very poor special teams unit like the Panthers. <laughs> My number six and your number six, actually, is, is the Chicago Bears. Um, they've been solid ever since they got Cleo Mack. <laughs> I feel like that's really the, the thing that started their 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 dominance as, as a defense. Defense 16 last year, which is kind of surprising because they still allowed under 300 points. But the thing is, they only had 32 sacks, which hurt them, and, and barely uh, double-digit interceptions. So, um, obviously, Khalil Mack. And then you have Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. Uh, they added Robert Quinn, uh, which I think is definitely going to help Khalil Mack lessen his double-team percentage. Mm-hmm. Their linebackers are solid as well. Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. Um, their secondary is, is so-so, though. I, I mean, Kyle Fuller is, is good. Eddie Jackson is one of the better safeties. Uh, Tashawn Gibson I have an issue with at, at the other safety spot. Buster Screen at corner. <coughs> I don't know. They added Artie Burns from the Steelers, which I already know I don't like him. He, he is a first-round bust. Um, Jalen Johnson, though, who they drafted this year, I think has an opportunity to go start opposite of Kendall, of Kyle Fuller, not Kendall, Kyle Fuller, um, because Buster Screen definitely isn't an outside corner. He's definitely better in the slot. So, uh, He's not good at any <laughs> You would know from experience there. <laughs> but, yeah, I think they're definitely going to go up from 16, uh, like we have them at six here. Uh, number nine for ESPN right now, which I think is okay. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they actually have one of the best special teams units that out there, though. Tariq Cohen as the punt returner, Cordero Patterson as the kick returner, definitely one of the better special teams players out there. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely expect their special teams to score at least one touchdown this year. Um, but, yeah, Khalil Mack is just, like, he's a difference maker for sure. He, like... I remember when he was first traded to the Bears, that fantasy season, everybody wanted the Bears' defense immediately, even though, I mean, it was really good, but it wasn't, like, the best. Everybody just wanted it because it was Cleo Mack. Like, I remember I did a draft with um, with people, and it was, like, just a regular, like, draft, kind of like what you've been doing. And someone took the Bears' defense that year like in like the fourth round because they were like it's going to be a historical defense like and all that I was like yeah okay whatever um and then it turned out that the Bears were like third or whatever but still we'll get to that later because we'll talk about draft strategy but yeah I think that the Bears overall like we said they're projected nines we have them at six I think all those numbers are attainable. I think they could even get to 40 sacks. Um, 45. Yeah, even 45. But the big question to me is that secondary. Because they have so many... um, So many underwhelming pieces in that secondary. You were talking about Artie Burns, the former Steeler. 
Arthur Screen from the Jets. They have so many players there that aren't that great. Um, so they have to rely heavily, I think, on that front seven to get to the quarterback or to pressure them. And I think that is why they're kind of ranked at nine for ESPN and not closer to the top five that we have. But it also goes back to the division like we were talking about before with the other two teams that we've had on this list already. The They played the Vikings, the Packers, and the Lions. I mean, obviously the Bears have the worst offense in the division, and they can't play themselves, but I just, I don't know. I don't really like any of the offenses in the AFC North other than maybe the Lions, like we've been saying. But yeah, I I just think that they'll have a easy enough time to make it to somewhere in the six to nine range, like we have it with ESPN. And number five, this is where you have the Saints, and like I said, I think uh, they can definitely reach this. Yeah, so they have had one of the better defenses over the last couple of years now, um, and I I think a big part of that is former Jet Demario Davis. He is the heart and soul, I think, of that defense. I mean, Cameron Jordan's there, too. The linebacker, I think, is one of the more important positions on a defense. And a guy like Demario Davis, who he... I'm still mad that the Jets ever let him go because I loved him when he was a Jet. But he's there, and Cameron Jordan, like I said, you... You were right, though, with the rest of the linebacking core is kind of weak with Kiko Alonso and the other guys. But they did draft Zach Bowen, like you said, so we'll see how that goes with that. And then the secondary, I don't know, secondary so-so. I mean, they have... Um, Lattimore. Lattimore, thank you. I couldn't think of the last name. Marcus Lattimore, he, was, he won Defensive Rookie of the Year when he came out, and he... <clears throat> He's still one of the better corners. Um, but then their second corner is Norris Jenkins. <laughs> so that's kind of... Um, I mean, he did do fine when they traded for... Or, no, they signed him last year. They didn't trade for him. He was a free agent. Um, he did do fine for them when he came over for a couple games. But, yeah, I... That's the I think the part on the defense that worries me the most is that cornerback two spot, um, because their safeties they have Malcolm Jenkins back from the Eagles, and um, blank out who the other guy is. But overall, their defense is very good, and also, <clears throat> like you were saying before, their division outside of Tampa Bay is probably. Like, that's probably four of the easiest games that anybody will have between the Panthers and the Falcons. And I know for a fact, because I saw a tweet earlier today from Cam Jordan, that he's going to try extra hard against the Falcons. Because apparently no player in NFL history has sacked one player more than Cam Jordan has sacked Matt Ryan. Matt, er, Cam Jordan has sacked Matt Ryan 18 times. And he tweeted earlier when they said that stat, and he tweeted something like, 
hey, Matt Ryan, let's try to get to 20 this year or something like that. So he's going to try really hard when they play the Falcons. And I I can't wait till he actually gets to 20 because I feel like he's going to do some sort of celebration with them. Well, but, yeah. I think, uh, I think the Saints are going to be fine uh, until Teddy Bridgewater lights them up and uh, the Panthers beat them twice this season, so... Um, <laughs> hey, no one knows. No one knows what Teddy B's offense is going to look like in, in Joe Brady. Fair enough. Joe Brady's offense looks on Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that division pans out. But um, number five for me, this is where I have the Ravens here. So the Ravens have always historically been a really good defense. Uh, defense four last year, defense six projected this year. I have them right in the middle at five. So they added – that's the thing, though. They they didn't really lose a lot. They added. Uh, they got Derek Wolf in free agency from the Broncos. They traded for Calais Campbell from the Jags. They franchise tag Matt Judon. Drafted Patrick Queen in the first round. Um, and yeah, there there's really not a lot of weak spots. I think the the weak spot is linebacker. LJ Fort is the other inside linebacker to go with Patrick Queen. I think also opposite of Matthew Judon is also a weaker spot with Jalen Ferguson there as the other outside linebacker. Um, so I'm not sure how much he has. He was a 2018 third-round pick out of Louisiana Tech. So we'll see what he has coming this season. But their defensive line is magnificent. <laughs> Derek um. Wolf. Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell is just gigantic. And they're going to stop. No one's going to be able to run in the middle of that defense. So good luck for everyone in the division, uh, yeah. including my Steelers. But their secondary is also very awesome as well. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters at corner to go with Jimmy Smith and Tavon Young. Even Anthony Averett, their fifth corner, is really good out of Alabama. Chuck Clark and Earl Thomas, their safeties are solid as well. So, yeah, I, I there's not a lot to say. And even their special teams as well. De'Anthony Thomas is the, is the punt returner and kick returner. So uh, I know him being from the in his Chiefs days, uh, he was really good as a punt returner. I'm not so sure about his kick return skills, but um, punt returns definitely look out for De'Anthony Thomas. But, again, six touchdowns is unattainable really. Uh, to score for defense and special teams. So regressing to two is fine. I think they'll probably more, be more like three. Um, and, yeah, sacks go up, I think. They're definitely um, going to allow 300 points this year, I think, and, and over 5,000 yards. But the thing is, that's a big jump, 600 yards. I think they're going to be closer to the 5,000 mark, not, mm-hmm. not as much closer to 5,500. Um, but, yeah, double-digit interceptions, double-digit fumble recoveries. Perfectly fine for me at that spot. My number four. This is where I have the Patriots here. And um, I regressed them from one to four. So a little bit. But, yeah. Last season was just, like I said, ridiculous. Uh, Historic. Any kind of adjective that you want to use is probably applicable here. Um, Under 4,500 yards is ridiculous. Under 200 points. Uh, close to 50 sacks, 25 interceptions. That is unheard of. Seven touchdowns as well. So uh, I don't even know. Like that—that that was the 
first time I think I had ever seen a defense go above 200 points. Um, and I, I know I didn't draft them in any league I had last year, <laughs> which sucked. But <laughs> um, yeah, and you you referenced that they lost some players like Kyle Van Noy. Um, I I'm blanking on who else they actually lost, but um, they still have a solid um, solid building blocks there. Dante Hightower at linebacker. They have two new edge rushers and uh, Chase Winovich, John Simon. I think Josh Uche is going to be more uh, productive in that spot. But um, Lawrence Guy and Dietrich Wise on the D-line are still solid. Mm-hmm. Jason McCord, like I said, the McCordy twins. Patrick Chung is very underrated safety. Stephon Gilmore, defensive player of the year last year. J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Jawan Williams at corner as well. Justin Bethel. Um, and then even when you look at their backup safeties, uh, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, who they drafted this year. So, yeah, their secondary is, is loaded. I think their front seven needs some work, but I think it's still serviceable, especially if Josh Uche takes over John Simon at the other edge spot and they get Michigan boys rolling the edges on that Patriot defense in, in Winovich and Uche. So, yeah, 40 sacks. I'm not sure about that number this year, though. With the inexperience of Winovich and Uche, Winovich in his um, second year, I believe, and Uche as a rookie, um, definitely going to be over double-digit interceptions. I think 14 is very good for them. I would like to see double-digit fumble recoveries for them. But, yeah, seven touchdowns to two is fine. They'll probably get the three, though, like I had with the Ravens as well. And uh, special teams, I'm not sure. Um, Right now on the depth chart, it has Mohamed Sanu as their punt returner. I don't think that he would be their punt returner as their wide receiver, too. Um, And it has Matthew Slater as the kick returner right now, but I don't think I've ever seen Matthew Slater return kicks. So... (laughs) uh, I think it's... Kick returner is more likely going to be a... Running back, like Rex Burkhead, I think Rex Burkhead would be a uh, a candidate for kick returns. And um, as far as punt returns go, I'm not really sure. Uh, they have four guys listed at punt returner right now, uh, but I have a hard time seeing any of those guys really get work there, except for Jacoby Myers. Uh, but it, right now, their their punt returns guys are Mohamed Sanu. Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, and Patrick Chung. Kick return is Matthew Slater and Marquise Lee. So I'm not sure about their, their return specialist there, but I don't think they're going to get a return touchdown out of any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And I hope they don't. Except Nikhil Harry, though. Nikhil Harry could, if they realistically wanted to do it, put him at punt returner because he did that at Arizona State, and uh, he does have the ability to return a punt for a touchdown if they would want to do that, but they're not going to do that, most likely. Number four, this is where you have the Ravens, Chris. Said yeah, so kind of like what you were saying. They didn't lose anybody. They just kept adding to it. And that defense last year was incredible until they ran into Derrick Henry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, pretty much all the same things you said. 
I expect their uh, points allowed and yards allowed to go up, but not as much as what they have there. Like I think, well, maybe points allowed, but yards allowed, I only expect to go up a little bit, like 5,000, maybe 5,100, but not almost 5,500. Um, and uh, everything else, though, like I like the projections of everything else, except, like you were saying, the touchdowns, I, I can see them getting to at least three. Um, six, like we've been saying the whole time, it's very hard to get defensive touchdowns, maybe from special teams, but I don't know. Um, and this, I think the Ravens really are going to depend on how the offense does. If the offense can keep up with it did last year, then it's going to just benefit the defense. But I, get, I think that's why they were so low in yards and points, though, because they weren't on the field as much because the offense just kept going on the field and scoring so many times. So, And they held the ball for a long time. So, yeah, they are definitely going to be a top defense, um, especially with those additions of people like Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf in the middle of that defensive line. They, they definitely signed those two out of fear of Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So, or someone like Derrick Henry. So James now Perry. I think they're one of the most complete defenses in the league. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the season's end they were number one, to be honest. But I have them at number four because, I mean, yeah, I, they're definitely a top five, but I think that the top three are even better. But we'll get to that in a couple minutes. Yeah, the top three we have all the same. Um, so number three here, the Niners. I'll let uh, you take it away first here. So yeah, the Niners. We oh, we all saw what they did last year. That defense pretty much carried the team last year, um, all the way to the Super Bowl. They obviously the Patriots were the historical defense, but this defense was right up there. They had almost fifty sacks. Their interceptions were kind of low, though. They only had 12, but they also had 15 fumble recoveries and five touchdowns. So those are all really good numbers. Um, and even with the loss of Forrest Buckner, they went out and drafted... Um, what's his name? I can't think. Kinlaw. Yeah, Kinlaw, to kind of fill in that role. And... Then they got uh, Brandon Ayuk, too, but he's a receiver, so that doesn't really apply here. Um, but I think that they're still one of the better defenses. Um, they still have Richard Sherman. They still have um, Nick Bosa. And they still have a bunch of other guys. But, yeah, that defense was number three last year. It's projected from ESPN number three this year, and we both have them at number three as well. So I like the chances of them being number three. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that they're still at number three. They dropped 40 points from the, mm-hmm. from the real stats to the projections this year. But that's a factor of uh, allowing 20 more points and – a ridiculous 900 more yards, which I doubt, highly doubt that's going to happen. 900 more yards to give up is a lot of yards. Uh, granted, that that could be like one game for Patrick Mahomes, but um, 
<laughs> the yeah, the Niners are one of the more complete defenses out there. Um, there's a lot of guys that aren't big name guys that a lot of people don't know about that contribute very well in the um, defensive scheme that they run in. And Robert Sala runs there in San Francisco. Um, a couple of those guys, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, both at linebacker, um, and then Jaquiski Tart at safety as well. Those three guys are very underrated parts of this defense that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, and then even when you look at the uh, backup defensive line guys that are in the rotation, Ronald Blair and Kentavious Street, um, DN and D-Tackle, I think those guys are definite – um, not massive pieces, but guys that fill their roles very well when they have to come in and, and make plays. But yeah, like you said, Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead on that defensive line, along with D Ford. They have D Ford as well, but he's a rotational piece at this point. Um, Quan Alexander at linebacker, Richard Sherman, you said about that. And their, their other corners are actually pretty solid. Uh, Akella Witherspoon, Kwan Williams, Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett, who they signed this offseason, yeah. or, or last offseason, I can't remember, um, along with Jimmy Ward at, at safety as well. Yeah, their their defense is one of the best ones, and I have no qualms about uh, their projections here. 13-13, interceptions, fumble recoveries, three touchdowns is fine, over 40 sacks, perfect. Um, when it comes to the touchdowns, though, their special teams are, are pretty good, too. Richie James uh, is their projected punt and kick returner right now. I'm not sure if he's going to do both or not. But definitely punt returns, he can get it done there. Um, and if Dante Pettis is going to make the team this year, I think it would serve him well to go back to his Washington days and go back to returning punts because he was one of the most dynamic punt returners in college football when at Washington. So if he can do that, they could even score five touchdowns again. And kick return wise, Richie James or Travis Benjamin, I could see Travis Benjamin filling that kick return role as well because he's done it before. So yeah, Niners solid. Number three, number two, I don't know if I want to go first on both of these or not. I, I might do that uh, because both of these teams I love. Uh, so Buffalo Bills here at number two. Great defense. Again, they're one of the teams that didn't lose a lot on their defense. Um, they just added. <laughs> so they have Trent Murphy, Starlo Tulele, um, Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes on the D-line drafted A.J. Epinesa, they added Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson and Mario Addison to that D-line rotation. They definitely run two deep at all four positions, and they could even run three deep at D-tackle with Harrison Phillips as well. Um, linebackers, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, very solid. Tyler Matikavich from the Steelers, who they got, uh, also very solid depth guy. One of the best corners, Tredavious White, um, Micah Hyde. Those are the two best secondary players. But then they have Jordan Poyer at safety and um, Jaquan Johnson, Levi Wallace, Teron Johnson, and Josh Norman, EJ Gaines at corner. So 
they're loaded um, as well, like all three of these top three units are. Um, and then I know you really like their, their return guy, Andre Roberts, who returns both punts and kicks. Um, but they also have a guy in Isaiah McKenzie who used to do that for the Broncos. So um, yeah. he's a guy that to look out for on punt returns, I would say, as well, more than kicks. Yeah. Well, as for Andre Roberts, I mean, <laughs> he has a good season for the Jets, but then last year for the Bills, he didn't really do much, um, which I was fine with. But, yeah, I hate to say that the Bills are one of the best defenses in the league because, obviously, that affects the Jets, like, directly. Um, but, yeah, they, like you said, they have all those different pieces, and I I can't even really think of a weak spot on that defense. They, their front seven is insane, and their secondary is pretty good as well. Um, looking at the projections, 41 sacks, easily doable for them, and 13 interceptions, doable. 11 bubble recoveries, yeah. Um, and three touchdowns, yeah, that's doable with the return guys like you were saying. And I think that they can get a defensive touchdown or two, too. So, um, The one stat that I wish kind of counted for fantasy that doesn't, though, is fumbles in general, like making the other team fumble, not necessarily only when you recover the ball, because I feel like they're going to do that a lot this year. They're going to make the other team fumble a lot, but only recover 11 according to the projection. But I could see them causing like 20, 25 fumbles. So they're going to be a force to reckon with for sure. And again, I hate that they're in the Jets division. I hate that two of the top, like, five or six are in the Jets division. But it is what it is. Well, you just got to make make another league, Chris, and make forced fumbles uh, plus one. <laughs> <laughs> or plus half, you know. They're not, yeah. as, they're not as important as fumble recoveries, but uh, half, that's fine. We can do it. <laughs> Put it in the fantasy chat, the, the dynasty group chat. <laughs> Number one, like I said, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk first about both these teams. Um, number one is, uh, yeah, the the guy right in the middle there, you know, T.J. Watt. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are are the best fantasy defense. I believe they will be throughout the entire year. And like we said, it helps that Big Ben is back on offense because it will alleviate the pressure on defense. Not that there really was much pressure on the defense. They still went eight and eight last year with uh, subpar quarterback play. The defense carried the defense carried the team to an eight and eight record last year because without their their defense last year, the Steelers would have been very bad. Probably more like four and twelve bad than eight and eight average. Um, defensive two last year because of the Patriots' historic defense. But the thing is. The Steelers put up quite good numbers of their own. 20 interceptions, 54 sacks, leading sack team the last couple years, I believe. I think they've led the the league in sacks the last two or three years. Um, I have one of the best edge rush tandems in TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, who's on the franchise tag. They have Stephon Tuitt. They lost Javon Hargrave this year. Um, But Dan McCuller steps in as the nose tackle there. I'm not really sure how much he's going to have, 
but Cam Hayward is a perennial Pro Bowl player. Um, the linebackers, Devin Bush, don't get me wrong, I love Devin Bush, had a solid rookie year. Um, but Vince Williams is still serviceable. He's, he's not um, the fast guy like Devin Bush is. But um, secondary is, is, is actually pretty good now. Uh, it, it used to be such, so bad. The secondary used to be really bad. Then they got Joe Hayden. He solidified a corner spot. Uh, Steven Nelson last year came over from the Chiefs. He actually played pretty well. I didn't really believe in him in the start of the season, but he played pretty well because the rest of the defense was playing fine, so um, it kind of upped his game as well, mentally anyways. Uh, Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, and that's the big key. Minka Fitzpatrick. The Steelers' defense last year got destroyed the first uh, two or three games of the season. They just got shredded, especially week one against Tom Brady. They got destroyed that game. Minka Fitzpatrick comes in, and he absolutely elevated the defense um, to the statistics that we see here that they got last year. And he was just a turnover machine. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many interceptions he got last year, but I know it was at least three or four probably. Um, And, yeah, their, their depth is kind of suspect Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton at corner I really like um, Marcus Allen at safety the linebacker depth isn't that great but if they can stay healthy this defense is definitely a force to reckon with punt return wise it's Deontay Johnson um, definitely able to get a punt return there James Washington's a kick returner right now it's more likely going to be Ryan Switzer though yeah um <laughs> Not much to say about the Steelers defense that you already that you haven't already. Um, but yeah. I I put them at number one for the factor that you mentioned first, the Ben Roethlisberger factor. He makes the entire team better because he makes the offense better, which then in turn makes the defense better. Um, and yeah. It's crazy that they're still going to be number one, or that they're projected to go up to number one, allowing more points and more yards and all that, and going down in every category. But they're still supposed to be number one. Um, But I think that their numbers will be better than projected, though. Um, At least in interceptions and fumble recoveries, I think they'll be a little higher than that, like maybe closer to 15. 50 sacks is hard to get, though. But with that defense, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But again, like we were saying with, I think it was Baltimore's defense, I don't see them allowing 600 more yards than they did last year, especially since they didn't really lose anybody. Important, at least. Um, But, yeah, the only problem with them is that they're in one of the tougher divisions in terms of offenses. Because they have the Ravens twice. They have the Browns twice that they have. I mean, yeah, the Browns are the Browns, but they still have a really good defense. And the Browns have, I mean, really good offense. And the Browns offense has a chance of being something great. So we'll see how that goes. But then there's also a much improved Bengals offense because now they have Joe Burrow at quarterback. And we all saw what he could do in college last year. I mean, I know the NFL is not college. But Joe Burrow, paired with a healthy A.J. Green and stuff, could be a very, very good 
situation there. But I still think that overall the Steelers will end up being the number one defense. I cannot wait for the Steelers defense to feast on Joe Burrow this year. Rookie quarterbacks against a solid defense is just mouthwatering. It's it's wonderful. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. Um should be interesting though. Uh, Steelers usually play pretty well against the Browns as well. Um, just saying. Ravens game is different, but uh, again, that's one of the best rivalries in the NFL. So that is it for our rankings. Um, now let's talk draft strategy. We'll go back to kickers uh, here real quick. Um, what is your draft strategy when it comes to kickers, Chris? Generally, if I don't have a chance at like one of the top ones when I'm ready for a kicker, like I'd usually, if I can, I'd get like Justin Tucker or Will Lutz or Harrison Bucker in like like the twelfth ish round if I can. But if not, then I wait until my last pick and I get whoever the best kicker is available at that point because the kicker is probably the least important part of a fantasy team. So, I, yeah, I don't really pay attention to it that much unless it's, like, those top three guys like Osai. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Um, definitely top three are where it's at. Uh, look, Just looking at the two drafts that I showed earlier, um, I got Will Lutz in the 12-person league uh, in the 10th round, which it was a necessity at that point to go get him in the 10th. Uh, not having a kicker and not wanting to wait from the 109th pick to the 132nd pick. Um, not wanting to wait 23 picks to see if he'll still be there or not. And the other draft, the NFL.com draft, 10-person league, um, I drafted Matt Prater in the 12th round, um, which was still kind of... I kind of just drafted him then because I didn't want to lose out because I thought Matt Prater was still um, the second tier, but still high enough that it was a necessity to draft him at that point. So, I mean, yeah, usually, though, I don't draft kickers last like a lot of people do. Um, Usually I let that last spot be a flex spot where I'll draft wide receiver, running back, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, what my draft strategy when it comes to kickers is anyways, defenses though, a lot different defense. I reach, (laughs) I go up and get the Steelers defense. Um, even, even, um, the one I did on ESPN, uh, I, I went and got the bills defense in the eighth round. Um, usually that's where the Steelers defense is in the seventh round. That's where I got them in the NFL league. But yeah, I think if, if you're going to go and get the, the Steelers bills or Niners defense, definitely going to have to get them in seventh, eighth round, probably. Yeah. When I, like I've been saying throughout this whole thing, my draft strategy is usually filling out the starters first. So, I do all like the players first, and then I look at the defenses, and if there's anybody that I think won't be there in a couple rounds that I really want, then I'll take them. But 
yeah, I'll usually probably take him somewhere between like eight to ten range. So, yeah, defense is definitely opposite of kicker, I think, in where you really shouldn't wait because if you wait too long, you're gonna have the the twelfth, tenth, or twelfth best defense, and, and that's not gonna be good for your fantasy team regardless of how many skill position players because you only have so many roster spots to start and if it doesn't really matter if you have so many good skill position players if you don't have a good defense to put in that spot it's not going to matter so yeah. i mean there is also the rare occasion though where there is that surprise defense that nobody would have thought of like that happened to me like four years ago or however long ago it was with the jaguars but nobody really knew that they were going to be what they were and they were, like, the best defense on the board when I was ready to pick a defense, so I picked them up, and they turned out to be the best defense in the league, so. You want you want a, you want a deep sleeper for defenses right now, Chris? That I just thought in my head? Who? It's in your division. The Dolphins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see about that. Mark it down. Uh, what are we, July 22nd, 2020. Miami Dolphins, deep sleeper fantasy defense <laughs> this year. Put it I'm going with my Packers and my Chargers. Those are my defenses that are dynasty. Well, I traded for the Steelers for a fourth-round pick this year, for, so um, I have the, the Steelers defense. So I am, I am definitely set at that point. But that is our show for today. Uh, thank you, Chris. Remember to... Follow at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, also, go check out our website, FAAPodcast.com. We have our Sports for All scholarship up there. Please donate. Um, the donate button is in the top right corner. You'll see when you go to the page. Uh, the scholarship info is right on the middle where it says Sports for All scholarship button. That'll take you to the application page to apply. Um, looking to get at least $1,000 for um, someone towards their tuition next year uh, at whatever school they want, uh, whatever, wherever they're going to go. So um, please, please donate. I know it's, it's hard times uh, with everything that's going on, but um, yeah, please donate. <laughs> uh, next week, don't really know what we're going to talk about yet. Uh, we'll be in training camp. So uh, training camp will have been started for mm-hmm. our, our show next week. We might have news about the Washington football team by then. Who knows? Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about um, some early camp news if there is any. Uh, hopefully, there's going to be a couple vet signings this week uh, before camp starts. Logan Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> Logan Ryan, uh, Devontae Freeman, Larry Warford out there, Jadavian Clowney, um, and then also we will. I'm not sure if we're going to do it next week. Uh, we might wait a few weeks here to uh, do our predictions for the season. But we will see uh, what we come up with in next week's show. Thank you, Chris. As always, it was fun. It was a fun time. See you later.